0: Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Not just any edition. This is our one-year anniversary show. That's right, folks. 52 weeks of the bandwagon streaming on the Chairshot Radio Network as a part of the Chairshot.com, and what a year it's been. We're going to get right to it and welcome in our good friends, David Ungar, here since day one, and literally, I don't think you've ever missed a show in its entirety,
1: No, nah, in its entirety. I've missed a couple in its entirety, but only because... Really? I did. No. That one you where know, I... You called No, no I, that one, I, I missed one where I had to take my dog to the vet on that emergency basis. Oh, station. I forgot about that. And then I called in on another one, but uh, yeah... I, That's not a bad record for one year. I mean, you know, I I know day day one day one ish. Does that make me one of the USOs? Can I get? It does. I need some USO theme songs or something.
0: I, I think it does. Well, and so we've got. I mean, we've got both ends of the spectrum here because we've got day one ish David Ungar here, and then we've got our good friend Ray Cash day five ish. As I believe this is now episode number five that Ray is, has jumped in and filled in and been a part of the three-man booth. So welcome back once again, Ray.
2: Thank you for having me. Um, I am I believe in the name of the show. Henceforth, I am a bandwagoner.
0: Literally. Yeah you you are part of the you are part of the bandwagon. Um, and we're gonna we're going end the show today. Reflecting on the first year and and how it's gone, uh, everything from the new views to the old views. That's basically Patrick O'Dowd's question uh, today, so we'll we'll do a little spoiler alert. Before we get too far of a deep dive in there, folks, I do want to acknowledge my sound is a little different. Left the old microphone at work, uh, as I was telling the guys before we started. I've had to use my podcasting microphone on my workstation at work because of all the Zoom calls. And they don't give us microphones, you know, unless you request one through tech. And since I owned one, I didn't want to wait on, wait on one from our IT office. I just put my, own, put my own mic in there. And Friday came, and I was ready to get out of Dodge and took the mic and left it behind. And so I went to open up the old work bag today, and no microphones. So we're doing it old school through the laptop itself. Uh, so just bear with us. We do recognize, I do recognize, I sound a little different today.
1: We will see just how good of a program Auphonic actually is, as far as can it make Patrick O'Dowd sound as good as he
2: normally does. Well, you, well, you know what? For those of you listening, just pretend that he's a Mandalorian.
1: There you go. There you go. Alright, so
0: let's uh, we're going to run down... You know, today's, today's episode is the culmination of the villain project. We're going to cover our Marvel villains today, which... Awesome, awesome, awesome sauce! A lot of fun for me, guys. I'm going to tell you the list I sent
2: you—it's already changed. Well, good because <laughs> it was it was blatantly disrespectful before. So it's let's not blatantly spot. disrespectful it's, to what? There, there was a
1: glaring, there was a glaring omission that I think stood out to Ray and I. But yes, like we've always I said, mean, it's your list, Patrick.
0: It's my list, I, and, and I didn't add or retract anybody from the list.
1: I just flipped the order around a little Ooh, bit. Ooh, all right. So the, I, I know I know what you're thinking, Ray, but I'm hey, sure there's gonna know, be there's well, gonna we'll, be this this list was harder than the DC one because I, well we'll talk about it. Yeah, right. That's okay. Uh, before we get into that, though,
0: we are going to talk uh, Mandalorian season two, episode two. Uh, if you saw in our chat today, you are uh, gentlemen in the chat yesterday or the day before you got my reaction so you already know i got thoughts Uh, i'll be interested to hear you know whether i'm vilified over over my opinion regarding this episode and already i'm seeing dave shake his head so i think dave might be on board with me for a change that's a that's a surprise and i have i have an idea for the first episode of our second year already that that i'm going to float that's a tease. That's that's what they call a tease in the business, right? We're gonna save that to the end of the show, uh, after we get through our reflections as to what I would like to see done with our first episode of the uh, of the new uh, the the new year, the second year. But before we get into all of that, we're gonna get off of the nerd bandwagon because yesterday was a huge day. We record on Sundays, folks. You all know this. This drops on Mondays. Yesterday. The news finally became semi-official as news outlets around the country project Joe Biden to become the 46th president of the United States and Senator Kamala Harris to be the first uh, woman of color vice president-elect. I mean, she hit every first um, in sort of checking the boxes when it comes to well, a couple of big boxes. Uh, we we still have a few left that we'll see when when those those days happen. When we look at you know things like sexuality and stuff like that, but a woman of color as the vice president of the United States, and uh, well, we're, we're I'm gonna go around the the table and just give people's overall thoughts about it. But yesterday to me was just a day to appreciate and celebrate the result and not really think about kind of the work that that still needs to be done and what's left yesterday was a very like i didn't drink yesterday so i doubled up today actually i probably tripled up i don't know if you can see like i i really misestimated how much scotch was left in the bottom was like i think that's done killed it and was like oh we've been drinking all day on a sunday which to get me through professional football, I might need to do. But yesterday for me was just a was a very cathartic sort of day. I don't know about the, the the two of you, but really just spending a week in sort of a high level of anxiety, worried that this result wasn't going to go the way that it that that it seemed to be trending. And if you listen to the Greg Demarco show this past week. I was recording we recorded that on Tuesday and it and as we're wrapping up the show and I'm tracking election results I'm really dejected talking about the election and what I was worried about what would happen. And so to be where I am today and, and I'll talk a little bit more about it in, in a minute yesterday was just a good day to to kind of let go of a lot of anxiety of just the result of this election and and what I thought was a pretty consequential decision that people had to make and not for nothing, but white folks like me didn't make the right decision. And for the most part, because you look at the numbers and, and the way it's pulling out, we got a lot of work to do, but that didn't matter yesterday.
1: Ray, go ahead, man. I, I want to hear your thoughts.
2: I got a few. Um, First off, um I am I, I I'm I'm very I'm a very empathetic human being and I do feel for people who are hurting right now that not necessarily their candidate, but their side didn't win. I can understand that. Can I understand you supporting the guy, but I can understand the kind of the uncertainty of well, what I believe in isn't going to be prevalent. And I, I, I am sympathetic to that. But let me say this. Yesterday is the first time in four years I felt hope in this country. And I am a six foot one, 300 pound black man from the inner city raised by a single mother. I it was not born in this life, in this country, to be successful or to make it. And for the majority of my life, I've never felt that until the past four years. And, and that, that that's that's a, that's a striking thing to realize. Um, I've been very blessed to have been, and maybe maybe I'm an outlier, but I've been very blessed to have, for the overwhelming majority of my life, not had to feel what I felt and what people like me felt, and what people who don't aren't like me felt, for these past four years. Um, so. Uh, Michael Che on Saturday night, Saturday Night Live last night made a fantastic analogy. He said that yesterday, particularly because the that was the announcement, felt like that scene in Shawshank Redemption when they're on top of the jail, drinking, and there's not a care in the world. They're still in jail, for one moment, everything felt right. Everything felt okay. And there's a lot of work to do. We have to keep uh, President Elect Biden and Vice President Elect Harris on their toes, make sure they believe they do the things that they said they were going to do. We need to continue to fight for the soul of this country. We need to find a way for this country not to be so damn fractured. This election, while the, the, the result is what I'm, I'm pretty sure all three of us wanted, and what a lot of people did showed us that even though the guy we wanted to win won, 70 million people voted for the other side. So while this is a momentous day and this is a historic day and one that will never, ever be forgotten, it'll be in the history books. Um, There is a shitload of work to do, Um, but it's okay for one second. Like my boy Pat got pour up for one day, you know, pour one. If you if you smoke, smoke one. Uh, If you pray, thank God. If you don't pray, send good vibes and feel good. But it's just a day to really reflect and feel like, you know what, I finally can have, I can finally exhale for once. Um, it, it, you don't really realize how you feel about something sometimes until it's gone. And that can be in a negative space and a positive space. And all week, you know, as the week, as the week kept going forward, it was almost, it's almost a guarantee that Biden would end up winning. Um, you know, strange things or acts of God notwithstanding, but you never know and I don't know, man, it just I feel like (laughs) uh, a friend of mine who lives in Scotland, you might Rick and Clive, Clive, uh, texted me and he called the USA the undecided states of America (laughs) and I feel like we're the United States of America again for the first time in four years and uh, I don't know, man, hope hope for the first time in four years, man, just legit hope. So. so, I got black daughters, and like, I can't tell them the lie anymore you can't do this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's real. Like, I never... I don't know if your parents told you the, the, the lie that hey, you can become president. I don't know if they did. And it's not a lie, but you know what I mean. I didn't get that talk. Because it wasn't real for me until 2008. I can legitimately tell my daughters, you know what? This may not be what you want to do, but if you want to, Barrier's broken, babe. Barrier's is broken. And so much of doing things or so much of being successful or so much of achieving is the belief that you can do it. And a lot of the times you don't have the belief if you haven't seen it happen before. You know what I mean? That's why we talk about the white brothers and their flights, because nobody ever did it before. That's why we talk about going to the moon. Go into space because nobody ever did it before there's never been a black woman a south asian woman a, a a an interracial relationship in fact let me back let me start from the beginning there's never been a woman elected to that building that building that was built by slaves by her ancestors it is it's it's yeah man it's it's just an amazing day.
1: Here's my thoughts. And, 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 you know, Pat, Pat knows this. I, I don't post a lot of personal stuff on Facebook cause it's just a preference and I don't believe in doing that, you know, and, and, and all of us have been podcasting long enough that, you know, one of the, one of the gray areas or the areas you don't want to get into too often is, is getting on a political, uh you know, on, on the, on your, you know, standing on the pulpit of politics and starting to talk about that. So, You know, I don't want to alienate anybody who's a Trump supporter and and who feels like Ray said so well. A lot of people, whether they believed in the man or they believed in the party is uncertain, you know, but like you said, I mean, this this election had the biggest turnout in history. You know, Joe Biden got the most votes ever in history. Second most in history, Donald Trump. So there's no denying the popularity of the man and the ardent support of his supporters who truly believe whatever message he's preaching you know and i know a lot of us think dude you're preaching the way wrong message in a lot of different areas but you know there are people who think that from the economic standpoint he is the solution and up until the pandemic they had some support for that argument sure but um i mean to me it's like the amount of people who showed up for this election and showed out and not showed up so much but just participated is um is Proof positive that the democratic process still works. And and I hope that in the in, you know, in, in years to come, they look back on this election and say, you know, granted, we had a pandemic going on and Joe Biden said, vote by mail. And the states made that option voting by mail readily available. And a lot of people took advantage of that. I myself know I don't you know, I don't relish the thought on Election Day of standing in line with a bunch, even if there is no pandemic going on. I don't think any of us really enjoy that aspect of it. So if you tell me I don't have to do that and I can still vote and participate, then I think you saw the results with this election. that so many more people than normal participated. And that that's that's never a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, privately, the result is is what we all wanted. It's not over. Let's let's be honest with each other. There are legal challenges. They don't look like they'll go very far. Pat saw my po- post this morning on Facebook that I just got, and I hate political posts, but I got sick of all these armchair lawyers out there adamantly fucking convinced that there's fraud. i like, dude, you've never, you don't even know what fraud is. You're basing this solely on the internet told you this, or somebody doctored a video, or somebody took a video out of context, and oh, these nine ballots were accidentally placed to the side because somebody... With this unprecedented rush of mail-in ballots that there's a little bit of human error. That is not widespread fraud. That's a mistake. It's not going to change the outcome of the election. Now, if Donald's got, if the president has the proof that he says he does, great. Put it in court. If you win, you win. We'll all be forced to accept that. Bitter pill, though, it would be for some of us to swallow. But if it's not there, then man up, concede the election, move on with your life see you in 2024 you know that sort of thing so i mean (laughs) it's uh i mean but yeah you watch that speech of harris and and, uh and biden last night was was very good you know and i know people are gonna give joe biden shit because he stumbled over his words a few times like dude the guy's 77 nobody ever said the president has to speak And, and never make a mistake Andy has a speech
0: disability yes like, the man has a stutter. It's a long documented. And the the painting of somebody with a stutter as being mentally deficient has been one of the, the grossest narratives that was kind of created in regards to Biden.
1: Yeah, I agree. Because,
0: like, James Earl Jones had a stutter. Has a stutter. Like, an has to fight through it. One of the most famous voices in, in the world. Joe Biden, when he's nervous... Or when he's, you know, under intense pressure and stress, like most stutterers do, can revert to that. And I think that, yeah, like the the attack on the man's mental faculties, the conspiracy theory bit that within six months they're going to invoke the Twenty Fifth Amendment is just ludicrous. I think that honestly, I hope that they treat this like when John Elway won his second Super Bowl, and that's the that's the victory lap. You know, won the second Super Bowl, ride off into the sunset on a great career, Joe, and pass the torch elsewhere. Because, and I'm sorry to, I, I kind of stole your thunder here a little bit, Dave. This, this is really, as Ray put it, a, a brief moment in a step where you're still stuck in a quagmire that exists. And the thing that folks need to remember. As I look at my Republican friends who are all doom and gloom and think that, like, everything's going to change. Nothing's going to change for you, frankly, unless the Senate flips. Which won't happen unless two runoff votes in Georgia, both of them, have to go the way of the De- of the Democratic candidate. That's it. I think Stacey Abrams deserves so much recognition and love and credit for what she's done in Georgia so far. If she if if she leads the grassroots uprising that allows the Senate seats to flip, that, that woman should write her own ticket to whatever she wants to do politically for the rest of her life. She already because,
2: got that,
0: but yeah. I but mean, you know what I mean. She will have single handedly well not single handedly, like everybody has help. She will have spearheaded the most consequential vote in the state of Georgia in history. She already has once. You can do it twice. This—that's—that's that's amazing to me that that she might be able to pull that off. But you know, all this—all this—really comes down now to two races to determine whether any sort of legitimate legislation gets passed. Because I'm going to tell you right now, and I think you both know this: everything is for nothing. If we've got a gridlocked Congress, because right now as a country, what we've proven is that there is no compromise anymore. It doesn't exist. And it didn't exist when Obama was president and, and the Democrats lost control of the Senate because Mitch McConnell sat around and did nothing. Which is why I think it's hilarious that we, we talk about Joe Biden as a do-nothing politician. When you've got Senate Republicans who literally just stuff would go to their chamber, we're not going to touch that unless it's something we wanted, like a Supreme Court justice. Uh, I'll be intrigued to see how the courts turn this out. What I think is very telling and has been very important is that even conservative judges haven't sided with the president. You know, and I look at, you look at Texas and a judge counting ballots in Texas because, hey, he even said it, as much as I want to, there's nothing here that shows that anything was done illegally by and, and honestly, one of the things that's always been fascinating about the Supreme Court is that they just they roll with it like they they follow legal precedent and tend to not interfere in elections.
1: Yeah. And I mean, people don't understand. You can't just jump over every hoop known to man and go right to right. the U.S. Supreme Court. There is a procedure. And, you know, you you got to go to a federal court first and have them rule. Then then you can appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court and see if maybe they'll take it. But. Yeah, he's going to have to put, you're going to have to put out the evidence out there. And it's got to be something that would appreciably affect the outcome of the election. Not, okay, nine ballots got fucked up or, you know, 700 got turned in, accepted, and they shouldn't have been. It's not going to change anything. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's the uphill battle that the president needs. And his supporters need to reconcile themselves with the fact that, a mistake here and there or an irregularity here and there with all those ballots coming that is not fraud. Right. <laughs> Certainly not to the level of fraud that you need to overturn this. And, and yeah, I got just sick of these armchair lawyers, you know, sitting out there this is fraud and like and you know that why? Do you even know what fraud is? No, but the president told me it was. Okay. So
2: you know Dave, that's the scariest thing to me about the I guess you can say the ending of these four years is that it's for the first time in my life and for the first time I well, not the first time in the country because I was three fifths of a person for 200 years. So maybe not. But
1: you look whole facts, to me, Ray. I'm just saying you look like well, a whole person to me.
2: That means a lot to me. I appreciate that, sir. I really do. Like, even though that was a joke, <laughs> it is <laughs> It truly means a lot because literally legally I was the first of a person for the longest but no facts are facts aren't facts anymore
3: no
2: you can you can literally the person who created something can say this is what's happening and someone can say no sir, I disagree it's like the wildest thing to me so if you got people who refuse if you if one side refuses to believe facts and the other side refuses to believe facts or whoever how do we know who's telling the truth? And how do we agree on what the truth is? Like th- that's the biggest thing, even to me, bigger than race. That is dividing the country and dividing the you know, the two-party system has ruined the country, I believe, because it's like you got to, it's bloods and crips. Yeah. Literally. Like, so all this we're talking about and things, that, and the other, and this and that, country ain't gonna be fixed until we can all agree. Well, this is true. And Dave Ungar is a literal lawyer. This is his job. He is an attorney. So if anybody would know who it's him, the three states that were in contention, the three states that are in contention, two are Republican states run by Republican governors, uh, attorney generals, and secretary of states. And the other is a swing state that was Republican last election. Those are the states that colluded? It's just a stupid. So until we can agree on facts, just get drunk. Yeah. By, by the way,
0: by the way, greatest Twitter feed to follow right now. By the way, if you want to see just a completely unhinged conservative, Val Venus. That dude has lost his damn mind. Like it is nuts. Like he's gone full all cap tweeting. He is just completely insane. By the way, quickly, I want to welcome in our fourth guest today, our fourth member of the crew today. He'll be here for a little bit, first half, just like he was last week. But welcome in uh, PC Tunney. Welcome to the one-year anniversary show of Bandwagon Nerds, man. How are you doing?
4: First of all, tell me you can hear me. We can hear you. Uh, oh, all right, well, then I got that solved. Uh, right now, I'm very close to crossing over to the dark side. There's a lot of anger inside of me. I am very much surprised that this... Uh, laptop in front of me is still in one piece but i'm here and i am thrilled to be back um, I, <laughs> I don't even i don't even know what the fucking question you just asked me was because i'm so mad right now so but i'm here right. and I, I guess you're talking about the election and everything else. Yeah, just, uh, just
0: kind of talking about the election and how we how we're feeling today regardless of whether you know we're republicans or democrats you know i think the three the three of us as we were chatting like we we're pretty clear about who we voted for and, and what we wanted to see and you know that's that's where that's kind of where we landed just kind of reflecting on it a little bit
4: i think my biggest takeaway is that america and that might be the theme of the first half of this show here is is very impatient regardless to what it is is. Doesn't matter what whether it's an election or the advancement for storyline in the mandalorian uh both the same side of the coin very much impatient okay that's what i learned
0: well and it's funny you bring that up because we are going to transition. We're gonna use that as the transition, uh, to talk about briefly again uh, because we got
2: the, we got a
1: lot to do. Tony with the hot tag.
2: There you go. Thanks. Ha- hashtag radio. Hashtag journalism.
0: Well, it wasn't really journalism, like he didn't uh, research it, like it was it's, it's radio. Like it was radio.
2: It's a thing I, I do on I my show, bro. I got I, I know you
0: you, you said boy. hashtag journalism to me on the show. Uh, when I dropped some news, did some research. We did have season two, episode two of The Mandalorian drop this past Friday. My, uh, my GIF reaction upon review was meh. Oh,
3: no. And no, no. It Tony, was I
1: think super meh. It was super meh because it was Superman <laughs> with, with like a half-assed, like, meh face. Don't sell yourself short. You're a tremendous snouch. Thank you. <laughs> And this has been my problem with the Mandalorian in general. Uh,
0: both season one and season two is that there are a lot of really good episodes. And there was nothing particularly wrong with this episode, so to speak. but but it was just kind of there. like, like and Tony, you you hit on it a little bit. It just didn't feel like it advanced
4: much. I'm okay with that. i'm I'm like, I brought right. up that because, like I believe in both sides of both the election. And overall things in America, we're, we're this country of I want it now and I want more of it all the time, right? And we talk about it from a wrestling perspective too. What are our favorite storylines? What are the ones that pay off the biggest, the ones that you can be patient with? So I, I don't mind them. You know, the funniest thing is my, my biggest takeaway from watching two, uh, the first two episodes of the season is, man, they're making a really great video game. Right. <laughs> The spider level will be very difficult to fight. Yeah, first you got to you know go to the crate dragon, and then you got to fucking you know walk the desert, and then you take on the spiders, and you get another earth and everything else, and you know you just keep leveling up. Now you've got the jetpack. Before you didn't have it.
0: Fair. I can I can get behind that. the uh, The other big takeaway from this is that uh, the child is a little bit of
2: cold blood, a little cold blooded. Can I speak to that? Go can for it, that, please. Uh, I'm pretty sure I tasted both of y'all, did. but it may have. Okay, so at first, my thought when I saw the when I saw it was, me and the child got to throw hands real quick, because like the child out here eating baby eggs, the child out here eating spiders, and all this stuff happening because he can't sit his ass in his little, whatever you call it, and just enjoy being the damn child. Then I thought about it. He's just happy to be here, right? But I thought about it. It's fucking Mendo's fault. Feed this baby. Feed the damn baby. <laughs> he is feeding the baby. Just not stuff he likes. Well, uh, look if if he likes spiders, he this ain't this ain't the life for him, bro. And um, yeah, I wasn't ready for all those arachnids in my life when I watched yeah. that. So thank I you, I, I, Peyton thought, Reed. I thought you. I appreciate you. that. Yeah, yeah. I thought of they, it. It was it was not a pleasant experience for me. So Peyton Reed, appreciate that, sir. He directed it, by the way.
0: I mean, yeah. Is anybody shocked that Peyton Reed would direct something that would have tiny creatures in him? No.
2: It, and it, it actually... You know, directed man 1 and 2 himself. It was actually a nod to that. So. Absolutely.
1: Um, I agree with you, Patrick. I was pretty meh on this episode. I, and, and one of the problems I had is the spider scene. Because I watched that spider scene, and the first thing that jumped in my mind was like, does Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets know that you just ripped off that scene from there? No. That's just, I I mean, I... The spiders didn't talk. Totally different. Oh, okay. You're right. There's, I I mean, people in my house were pissed off that I made the comparison, but I'm like, I'm watching this and like, I've seen this before. And they're like, oh, it was so much cooler in Mandalorian. I'm like, like, hell it was. And I, I said, you know, to me, it was just like ice spiders versus... Cave spiders, giant cave spiders, giant ice spiders, lots of little cave spiders, lots of the little ice spiders. I will say this. It is much cooler that two X-Wings rescued their ass than a automatic flying car. Now that I give Mandalorian because anytime you got X-Wings, that's a good time. But yeah, I mean, it just, this was, and like Tony hit on it where it's like, yeah, where were we going? What is the point of this episode? I mean, you know, is there something going to happen with the frog lady? Probably. But that's a, and that, that's a good point. It
0: may be something that we learn later, right? Like, and and that that could be the the impatience piece of it. Is this this could come back. I just don't know how. Other than the interaction that he had with the X-wing pilots, like that seems meaningful. That's a pretty
2: big. That's pretty big though, because aren't those X-wing pilots former or affiliated with of, the Rebel? They're, part of
0: the, they're the part of the New Republic or whatever exists. it is. Yeah, right. They, they, they
1: said that they were part of the New Republic, and he was flying an old Imperial. Something or some remnant of the imperial right. razors uh, edge, razor. Razor
2: crest.
1: razors crest, yeah, razors yeah. edge. I'm thinking of a uh, razor Ramon. Sorry, razors you. edge.
2: <laughs> and they they could they could have brought him they could have brought him in, and they were like, you know what? I we see you've been doing like positive stuff though. I imagine they would have saw the child though, because would they know who Yoda was?
1: No, nobody Yoda. nobody really knows you Yoda. That's true because okay. Yoda was believed to have perished at the end of Episode Three. What?
0: What is this belief? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to talk about the end of Jedi. I was like, he fucking disappeared and became a part of the force. No, no, no. There's no belief I'm just saying, to the be la- dead.
1: The last time six. the general people saw him yes. was at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Episode Sim. 6, right? No. Yeah, episode 6, Tony is correct. That is when we last saw Yoda. But that was only Luke. He only saw Luke. After he went into exile, he only saw Luke again, as far as we know. Right.
4: Okay, so he was still alive, though.
1: He was. Yeah. But no one knew it other than Luke and... Obi Wan's ghost, I guess, and maybe a few. Right, others. I,
4: know. I think I would I was trying to say is you meant six, you said three.
1: Well, well no, what he's getting
4: at okay, like, now we're getting now we're
0: getting nerdy. Yeah. So
4: Alright, never mind.
0: So Yoda battles Man- Yoda battles the Emperor and they kind of fight to a stalemate because reasons, and Yoda goes into exile after that to Dagobah and nobody it's not even that he's presumed dead. Like the Emperor knows that he's still alive. Like they say it very clearly. Like the uh, clone troopers are like, we can't find a body, and uh, the um, Palpatine's top advisors like, then he's not dead. So they know he's gone. Nobody, nobody actually. The the nobody really knows that he's dead, dead except for Luke and whoever he told. Now that I think about it,
1: and technically, we see his ghost in uh, Episode Eight. So there's the last sighting of him, or maybe nine.
2: Patrick's nine. favorite trilogy movie. Well, no, Rise of Skywalker's his favorite movie. Absolutely. But, but he loves Last Jedi.
1: He does. I do like Last Jedi quite a bit. He does. He like he just likes Rise of Skywalker more, Ray. That's all.
2: Of course, of course, of course. that's his of favorite course. of the three.
1: As much as I like, um,
0: I don't know, having a hole drilled in my head, stuff like that, you know. So I, yeah, I not a fan of rise of skywalker we've established that no i know stunned right
2: i I don't believe you sir you don't don't, wait i think you're joking with us.
0: i i would never joke i would never ever joke like that
4: so what do you guys think about the difference in the seasons right because last season it was more so i mean obviously with the first season it's introductory a little bit and then in the middle they kind of had two episodes like they have to start this year where it was more like, one-off stories instead of opposed to the overall story arc, whereas this season now they're starting off with, obviously they gave you the the big, you know, tease at the end of episode one, but altogether they're two kind of one-off stories that may not play into the long haul. So how do you feel like they've been doing this season slow-rolling the storyline, you could say?
2: Can can I jump in? Can I jump in? The first season to me was a hunt, right? It was all about hunting. It was all about the Mandalorian hunting the bounties and then hunting the child, and he finds the child and he's being hunted. This season's about a quest. So I feel in a quest, you have to set up the quest in the beginning to get the payoff in the end. Whereas a hunt, that, sell, that sells itself. You know what I'm saying? So I'm fine with it because I think the entire points of the stories and the themes of the seasons are drastically different from one to two.
4: How many episodes were there in season one?
2: Ten or eight? Eight.
1: Eight. Was it eight only no, it was only eight. Huh. I think it was only eight.
2: Because it's only I just watched it, so it's it's eight. I just watched <laughs> I, it like two weeks ago. <laughs> I was
0: like I do I do recall that Ray, you know, tore through it to to be on time with, with this show and, and go step by step with us. But so we're
4: twenty five percent of the way through season two.
0: Right. I think I think my big thing is is that I um I've never been a big fan of you guys remember the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, and Angel and actually Supernatural now is another good example. Uh, I've never been a big fan of like the monster of the week style story, which is what this feels like a little bit. And, and I hear what you're saying about like sort of it's the journey and the and, and the quest to get there, but I I I like for there to be some level of meaning and connection. And we may still see that. I said that at the at the top of this sh- uh, of this review that. We don't know if those if that interaction with maybe the New Republic is gonna be a thing. What we did learn is that he's on the New Republic's radar, by the way. Like he's got he's wanted their stuff out for him. There's a total record of the deeds that he did to help the New Republic as much as there was to to work against it. So there there is more to that, but I just I felt like it was treading water a little bit. And I, that that uh, that has never just really worked for me as a fan. So I know more is coming. I think, you know, I think we'll, we'll see progress. It's going to happen. We just got to be patient.
1: Yeah, there's got to be something more to it. I, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense that it would just be this standalone episode just for what? The sake of showing, hey, look at our special effects. Like, I've seen that like 300 times was, in the past clearly years. Uh, Their know, budget has grown. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Tony.
4: Something has to come from, from these two first two episodes, right, that connects you to the ending or makes you go, okay, that's how we got put along this path, right? There's no reason they can't have these. I, I like the episode. I thought it was great. I understand. The only thing I didn't like is you could have given me five more minutes. You could have put something else or dragged some kind of scene out because you lost 10 to 15 minutes from the first one, I believe, because I think the first one was over an hour, and this one was like 43 minutes. Um, yeah it was it was much shorter that's that's fine and dandy i'm okay with it i would imagine the next episode i feel like is going to be just gangbusters but i would say to people have a little more faith in john favreau
1: have patience study yeah. is that what you're
2: saying yeah have faith, faith, faith. You, you, you know we're wrestling fans right well no i tell them the uh, same thing
0: I don't know that I've given up on the season or anything like that. I hope I hope that's not the impression I'm giving. Like, like I enjoyed the show. It was just, it was okay. Like, it just wasn't... Yeah. It, was it,
1: nice. it didn't...
0: It, like, I wouldn't... That hasn't... that This episode didn't color my feelings the way the first episode did. Like, where I just utterly disliked the big reveal. Well, you know what I mean? To where that kind of tainted my view on that first episode. This just was like... It's fine.
4: Right. In, in the in the bad context. Thing, as a wrestling thing, if you're extremely disappointed at the same time, you're at the other end of the spectrum, so you're still enjoying right. it as much as you would. It's more of a hate than a love thing then. <laughs> I don't I don't know that I hate it yet. No, I won't go that far. No, I no, I, I, think know. I think I understand what you're saying. Right? I mean they're the same thing.
1: I mean, the thing is, is is yeah, I mean there are a couple episodes in the first season that kind of were real slowdowns and it's like not really plot advancement and that sort of thing. I've got faith that these guys are going somewhere with this. And and, and that'll be the fun part in the coming weeks to see what aspect of this episode that we s- thought was, you know, to use wrestling parlance, very transitional, uh, actually had a bigger meaning to it,
2: you know? And then we're going to be all like,
1: oh. Oh, the frog is really the child's mother. And he was eating I, his I, siblings. Last so
4: <laughs> i like when the frog i like when she rigged up zero so she could talk that, yeah, was yeah, that great. Was cool. i was so that surprised was, yeah, by that, that. Was cool. i was like damn i underestimated an- another like brand new species introduced to me by star wars as if like that species is probably more intelligent than you know it's probably in the top 10 percentile of all the species in star wars right right La- last thought for me last
1: thought for me with uh with baby yoda <laughs> Uh-oh. Now we got an echo going. Yeah, what's going on there?
2: You've, you've went from Mandalorian to Darth.
1: I guess so. <laughs> is, that, is that still happening?
2: Nah. I don't hear it. It's gone.
1: It's Tunny. It's it's gone. I blame Tunny.
4: You probably can. I blame... Oh, man. <laughs> I can't believe this computer's even working right now. So,
0: one of the things I got kind of a kick out of was I was reading some... I was reading some reviews from uh, various folks and sites... Kind of complaining that the child was eating this creature's eggs, and, and not um, what's the what's the way? Like almost as if the the child was somehow evil uh, or doing this terrible thing, as opposed to just being a creature that is you know in its infancy based on its lifespan and is kind of doing the basics of looking for food and you know finds this thing. This is delicious. I'm going to eat it. They also seem to forget that the child is not above force choking a bitch, uh, as as it did that in the first season, without compunction. So eating some eating some un,
1: some spawn, some caviar, if you will, not a big deal. That, yeah, I mean he was eating caviar technically, but I mean I, I had I had some issues just because I mean. The child is just like, dude, stop getting yourself in trouble. Don't eat everything that's fucking near you. Oh, here come the ice spiders because you ate one of their eggs. Um, but then again, and <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like thinking it's like, you're supposed to be a higher level of creature in touch with the force, but at the same time, it is a child. So kids are going to do shit so, like that.
2: I think the real question is, do we believe not just us, but the, the, has a show led us to believe that the child not only understands Mando, but listens to Mando. Because all the bad things you could say he's done has been to protect Mando. The Force Choke right. was to protect, to protect Mando, right? Because he didn't right. know whatever Gina Carano's character is. I'm not good with character names. She didn't. He didn't know that she was a friend at the time, right? But, so that's <laughs> why I wanted to throw hands with that little motherfucker. Because Mando was like, don't do this. And he was like, eh. And then popping him in his mouth afterwards. See, that little bastard on Tully's, I'm going to love him next episode. But right now, he's a little bastard. <laughs>
0: he's he's just, he's a toddler. Just, he's a to- he toddlers is, eat and poop. They like do, that's what they do.
1: They make poor life decisions because they don't know any better. doesn't matter do how learn. one, I am one with the force, the force is one with me. It doesn't matter. You're going to still right. eat frog eggs.
0: <sighs> but, yeah, I, I do think... Um, a little bit of a horror element to this week's episode. Like I said, for me, not not terrible, not great. Not not enough for me to be sour on the season. I don't think the season's been bad necessarily. I, th- I think I'm not in all caps OMG mode, though, I think is where I am. We are going to move into the culmination of the villain project, though, gentlemen. Uh, we're going into Marvel. I just got to say, Ray and I geared up for the show, and Dave didn't.
1: I geared up, kind of. I mean, I'm wearing a. No, you in DC. Suit. I got, I got my Spidey full
0: print going. Can't see it because it's dark in my place. But it's a big old Spider-Man
1: web thing from Hot Topic. It's the first thing. Right, I, I mean, it was the first thing yeah, I, I grabbed, DC guys.
4: DC guy, would, I'll do a wardrobe change for you, okay? It, Marvel villains, right? I can, do a wardrobe change too if you guys I'll really can want. Do it, but but yeah. I can do it, I'll do. I'll do. i do a
1: wardrobe change. Not like anybody's <laughs> gonna look at us or anything.
3: Yeah, uh, we, you, we guys are, gone, you guys are. You guys already know
1: how ugly. You nerves. guys know how ugly I fucking am. You guys don't need me. I, a Marvel shirt ain't going to change that.
2: I mean, you're you a beautiful man, a, David Ungar. You're a beautiful man. <laughs> beautiful
0: self lighting forehead with that shiny dome of yours. That's right. Amazing. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, I can give Triumph the insult comic dog a run for his uh, for his money.
1: <laughs> Where's where Tony go? He just bailed out on us, huh? Or he's changed. He went. It. He went. Oh. Right, he went for
0: a wardrobe oh. change. Ah,
1: I see. But um, this is it. This
0: is, the, this is the end of the Villain Project. We, we have hit TV and film. We have hit independent comics. We did DC last week where you two got to kind of drag me onto the bandwagon. Apparently, my list is controversial for my Marvel villains. Uh, so, oh, my God. You guys, like, big emphatic nods. Uh, sorry? I don't, I don't know. And maybe, maybe when you drop it on me, I'll be like, oh, yeah. Uh, but I think I know who you're talking about. Uh, I think that you guys are talking about a character that was made popular in movies and is, in my opinion, way less impressive in the comics. But okay, very yeah, nice, Mr. Tony. Keith. Who? Melkeith. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I can think of a, I can think of a couple that are popular in movies that I left off, uh, primarily because I, if I if I'm if I'm right in my guess, I didn't really read the comics, so
1: I didn't really care about the villain. So i well, sorry. It's not smart no, it. Let's get into it. And then we can, we can, we, we can rake you over the coals once we get there. So exactly. Or so rules versa. haven't changed.
0: Rules haven't changed. Uh, as always, somebody lists somebody on the list that's higher up on somebody else's list will pause. The order has reset to day one. We are now to our good friend, Ray Cash, kicking us off. It's Ray, Dave, and Patrick today, so Ray gets to do the honors. We'll take a break once we get through our top, or our bottom five, come back from break, and round it all out. So, without further ado, Mr. Ray Cash, you're kicking off the final round of The Villain Project with your number 10.
2: It's ironic that uh, we just, <laughs> let me say the person first, Never made make the joke. I didn't make the joke. Joe's made it last night, but still funny. Um... My number ten is the Red Skull.
1: Guess what, Ray? My number ten is the Red Skull as well. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Guess <laughs> what, Ray? The Red Skull didn't make my list. We know.
2: <laughs> but I thought but I about? Think, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Well, I'll I'll, I'll wax poetic, and I'll 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 toss it to you for the oop. Um. But uh, if the most notorious killer in history, Sans Genghis Khan says that alexander the great the most notorious killer in modern history Is that better um if he's scared of you he's like nah bro that's too much for me then i think you're pretty bad uh the joke was we, we're getting rid of one fast leader and now we're talking about another but yeah but um and all that um yeah resco was a badass bro and resco was he didn't quite have the same abilities that cap did but he Hell, he you know he cut his own with Cap, and he was a he was a thorn in the side of so many of those Golden Era heroes, and I don't know what he's done to last a hundred years or however long it's been, but he's still around, right? Um, and I'm sure Dave will talk to more of the older stuff, but I think Red Skull is back was back in the news more recently because the Red Skull in some of the recent comics can't remember the name of the story. It would pop up in my head. Um, but right before the Civil War, when Red Skull convinced the Cosmic Cube, which turned to a sentient being, to change Steve Rogers' mind.
1: It's after Civil War. And then Civil all of a War. sudden. After Civil War.
2: Is it after Civil War?
1: Significantly after. Yeah. But yeah, you're on the right track.
2: Well, which Civil War are you talking about? You're talking about Civil War between Cap and and, well, Iron two. and
1: There's been two. There's been two. There's
2: been two. I'm talking about Civil War, okay. too. Because you're right. Yeah, because Cap was still the fake guy. It was, it was the fake Cap still going into uh, when Carol beat the dog shit out of Iron Man. It was bad. Um, if you haven't read the comics, spoiler. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he is the reason why Cap said the most infamous words in comic history in the past 30 years. Hell Hydra.
1: Captured in Endgame. Very effectively. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, I mean they give it a nod in in Endgame. Yes.
2: All um,
0: those Easter eggs.
2: Um, but no, yeah, I think the red the Red Skull is. May I, is it fair to say he's he's the first supervillain in Marvel lore? Yep.
0: Yeah. Because right? Cap, Cap was a was a 1940s propaganda comic, and the Red Skull was his was his foil because you couldn't actually have Captain America fight Hitler
2: in the he, comics he punched Hitler on the like on, on, on the film. cover
0: of issue one yeah I
2: know I know <laughs> you know uh, yeah. go ahead man yeah, yeah Red the, Skull's my
1: number. the cool thing about Red Skull is he was only supposed to last that first issue but was so popular right. that they kept him going for another seven and then they kind of killed both of them off for years until Cap right. was resurrected or found in the ice and that sort of thing but uh yeah the, the Red Skull I mean without the Red Skull there probably isn't Hydra you know, one of the major organizations in Marveldom. Um, He's, like Ray, you said, how does he keep going all these years? Because he's mastered the technique of taking his consciousness and transfer- transferring it into other beings. And uh, his daughter, Sin, she's as badass as they get. No conscious at all. She's the baddest bitch <laughs> that I could think of in Marvel Comics. But, you know, one of the best Red Skull, I mean, his secret empire is phenomenal i mean that is a phenomenal yeah. story gut-wrenching when you watch your hero captain america who has been mind wiped in by uh by the uh Cobus, i think is the name of the cosmic cube right patrick i cool. think yeah something yeah. like that yeah. so like you know that. to have steve rogers mind wiped to the point that he really thinks he is you know the supreme leader of hydra and everything that he does, and and at the end of that, where it's the two ver- variations, Steve Rogers, good guy, comes back and beats the shit out of uh the other guy. I mean, that's a phenomenal story. But I tell you, one of the Red Skull story, the two of them that I really like, the um, death of Captain America storyline, which happened right after the first Civil War, where Cap, I mean, that's Marvel's equivalent of the death of Superman when they killed off Captain America on the steps of what the Supreme Court. Um, mm-hmm unbelievably powerful and then bucky takes over and off we go but um let's not forget that if if not for the red skull falcon would never have been created because he gave sam wilson his ability that the link with red hawk and all that kind of stuff and i mean and and he did that because he thought sam would turn on cap and instead he unwittingly created one of the most enduring friendships in all of marvel comics so yeah, I mean, the Red Skull has just had his fingers in in everything, and has been such a huge part of just Marvel supervillain lore. That yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I you could say he should have been even higher, but I have him at number ten on my list.
0: Well, I didn't have him on my list at all. So there, we know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna quickly figure out as you listen to this list what what comics I read on the reg when it comes to marvel comets that is one of them yes Tony, flashing the old spidey symbol the other one though is the x-men and the x-men was another big one and for me my number 10 is more more known to a lot of people as a henchman if we were to if we were to really put it out there but i think she's one of the most iconic x-men villains that you can get one of the most manipulative, one of the most dangerous villains that exists, and also one of those that operates in a gray area, and that's Mystique. Uh, probably, if you most people, if you watch the old X-Men cartoon on uh, on Fox and now on Disney Plus, know her as the mother of Rogue. Uh, who basically brainwashed Rogue to use her for her own evil gains. She was a top lieutenant in the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, has worked with Apocalypse, has worked with Magneto, has always been about her own machinations when it comes to protecting her own self-interest. Uh, mother to Nightcrawler, depending on which canon you look at, and yet at the same time like abandons her children left and right, and yet at the same time, what what makes her really fascinating is that she has a soft spot for them. Like, even as she abandons them to continue to live the life that she leads, shapeshifter that she is, she keeps coming back. The one thing, well, there's a lot of things that I, that I struggle with, but one of the big problems I have with uh, the X-Men movies and the canon that they made out of the newest ones was the way that they made her this interest, this like tweener between Magneto and Xavier. I just, I just didn't like that story. And, and maybe that's just me as a fan of of a different sort of character, just not liking that portrayal, but I'm seeing like Ray's nodding too. Like, I just didn't like that element.
1: It really softened her in the movies. Yeah, very much so. And she wasn't so much like that in the comics.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that's one of the, that's that's one of those times where the studio wanted to book a super. Star, and they got Jennifer Lawrence, and they wanted to make the character fit the superstar, not the superstar fit the character.
1: Who played her in the uh, in the original Rebecca, Rebecca, Romaine. Romaine. Yeah, Rebecca That's Romaine. right. Yeah,
2: never forget, bro. Lord have mercy. Young Gray <laughs> enjoyed Rebecca Romaine very well
0: in the bodysuit. Like it wasn't even a bodysuit; it was like pieces,
4: like yep. attached in various locations. Yes, Uncle, he also enjoyed Rebecca Romain. Mm. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was my number. That was my number ten. I stayed in the X Men universe, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is higher on Dave's list because he talks about her all the time. But Jean Grey, uh, and specifically Dark Phoenix Jean Grey, who legitimately fucked up the Marvel, uh, the X Men universe, and the Marvel universe on more than one occasion. And Jean Grey herself is not a bad person. That is that is well documented and well known. But Jean Grey, under the control of the Phoenix Force, is just the ultimate. Is one of the ultimate powers of evil that requires the interference It's of multiple empires, like the Kree, the Shi'ar, the Skrulls, even Black Bolt and the in the Inhumans. It's just she is. When when the Phoenix Force has her, she's she's terrible. And I went between her and another Marvel character that is good slash bad and this is much more about the sort of the sheer destruction she wrought as opposed to the character as a, as a person or as a character study
2: was the was the other one wonder yeah
1: yeah i mean and there's a lot of similarities between those two i i exactly i mean yeah dark phoenix as far as sheer power and destructive capability there's yeah. a reason they keep trying to make it into a movie right well i mean the dark phoenix story is what top five greatest graphic novels of all time. Probably. Yeah. At least, least with any X-Men canon. Yeah. I, mean, I would, I would, I would dare say numbers. any canon. I mean, I would put it top five of, of anything and I understand why they want to do it. And I just don't understand why they don't follow the story more closely. And they just decide right. to get creative and stupid. Well,
0: with it. I've, I've put this over to you, Dave, on, on more than one occasion. And I'll put this over again. If you have Disney plus, Go check out the 90s Marvel X-Men cartoon Fantastic. Fantastic. and watch the 10 part of the original Phoenix Saga, then the Dark Phoenix Saga. The thing that's kind of tricky is that something went wrong when they transferred over, so the order of the episodes is messed up and you kind of got to look for it. But it's the closest you can come, and it, it, it culminates with The Trial of the Phoenix. And so it's really... Well well done, I can't put that over
1: enough.
0: Yeah. Like, you really should check that out. I mean, I, You I, in particular, Dave.
1: I, I would, I'll have to do that. I, I, would, I couldn't put her on my list because Jean's just so sympathetic to me that she's an unwitting sure. force of destruction. And, and, and very much like Wanda to a certain extent. And we'll, I'm sure we're going to talk about Wanda Maximoff later on in a different capacity. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just when you look at what Dark Phoenix did, And five billion lives just snuffed out to satisfy her own hunger. And uh, but, you know, even at the end, she doesn't quite lose. She, you know, she makes a choice at the end to to uh, live as a god or die as a human. And she chooses the latter. And and, I mean, that kind of redeemed her in my eyes. You don't get that redemption with a lot of these other guys, but it's a great pick. I, I have no quarrel with you about it. It just for different reasons. She didn't make it on my list.
2: Sure. Same. Well, that's don't cool, Dave. Really don't even have to go any further. Same. All
1: right. So move on into your number nine, Dave. So my number nine is Ultron. Oh, he's yep. Iron Rays.
2: Okay.
1: So then we'll move to Raven. Iron tunnies too, apparently.
2: <laughs> so I'm going to make both the Spider-Man fans on this call a little upset because I am picking. This is the only Spider-Man. Well, no, he's not. a lot. Um But... Um, this is Spider-Man villain. Neither of you probably expect me to put on my list. Um, my number nine is Carnage. Mm.
0: that's cool.
2: The reason, the reason being is I think the Pentolment Spider-Man foe you that you think of is Venom, right? I know no. you got. I know oh. you, well, <laughs> my no? number two. What y'all think of Osborn?
0: Shut up, man! That's later
2: in the show. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, anyway, but spoiler alert, man.
0: Most spoiler people would think
2: most people would think Venom. <laughs> I, I would I would argue uh, only because of the fact that Venom came directly from Spider Man, right? The symbiote, the most dangerous of the symbiotes that we have, unless you are like a really 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 deep nerd and you know all seven eight nine of them, is Carnage. Um, the fact that a symbiote that already hated Spider Man, that honestly kind of hated Eddie Brock too, goes and gets embedded in, in one of the most dangerous serial killers in the world and Cletus Cassidy. Kills everybody. Then there's all the newer versions they've had with all the the Carnage armies and everything. I just think in terms of pure destruction and pure chaos, we talk about that Joker-esque chaotic evil thought process. Carnage is chaotic evil. He doesn't give a damn about anything but just, I'm killing to kill because it's fun for me. I'm gonna kill. And he has killed. So we just talked about Dark Phoenix killing 5 billion people. Carnage didn't kill that many people, but he he would gladly do it just because they're there. I think that's what puts him over so many of the other people I have on my list. So um, I have Carnage.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as symbiotes go, he's definitely more fucked up than Venom is. I mean, Venom sometimes almost is is heroic. <laughs> not very often. I don't think you can say the same thing about Carnage. There's not much heroicness about him he's just yeah chaos for the sake of uh, of chaoticness if that's a word
0: i think that's why i don't like him as much like the, the thing i always appreciated about venom who's also not on my list neither the symbiotes are on my list though the guy who gave us the symbiotes is on my list is at least with venom there's a deep-seated resentment and longing like venom is jilted jilted by Peter Parker because he doesn't like who he becomes when he takes on the suit. And it goes to Eddie Brock who resents Peter Parker because he blames Parker for everything that's gone wrong in his his professional life and holds Parker and Spider-Man responsible. So the two of them with this just insane dislike and jealousy, whereas... And I know that, you know, it's funny because we talk about the Joker now, which we love the Joker and chaotic evil, like the carnage exists just to exist mm-hmm. as this, as this entity of like terror. I just didn't like it. And so carnage is honestly of the symbiotes, like my least favorite. So, uh, it's interesting.
2: But there's nothing interesting about him other than he kills. That's and I think right. why, but, but yeah, that's, say what that's what a big... you want from a villain is i don't care how interesting you are do you get the job done (laughs) but i like i like depth i like depth in a villain it's a symbiote would you want him to have a backstory as a symbiote venom has a backstory and has, has a backstory
0: venom does too venom is an entity like i said venom the symbiote was rejected by parker and was legitimately like a hurt child like was was upset and dealing with the rejection when he merges with Eddie Brock and becomes yeah. the Venom yeah. that we know and love. So, I, I think there's more depth to Venom. Venom. And, and, you know, without that, we don't get Todd McFarlane's, like, big career launch. And so, without Venom, we don't get Spawn. And we all know how I feel about Spawn.
2: It's, it's all cool. Y'all hate my number nine. It's fine. Number That's eight. <laughs> I'm very happy with Carnage. Even though I do feel, I, there's, I again... Cheerless man, cheerless. Another, I have another list of all of my uh, all mentions, but um, my number eight is, is higher on your list, King Finn.
1: Okay, we'll move forward. My number eight is also iron, unless Patrick drastically re altered his list. Uh, I know it hits higher on his. Uh, it's the, the Green Goblin, Norman Osborne is number eight on my list,
0: Blasphemy. Blast for me that it is that low on your list, sir. Uh, my number eight, I'm willing to bet, isn't on either of your lists, uh, but is one of my favorite sort of one-off se- series of stories, and that's the Beyonder. Hearing silence, the Beyonder is an extra cosmic entity who is just for funsies and bored, plucks a bunch of good guys and bad guys out of their reality, throws them on a game board, and says, "Fight to the death because I can." That's amazing uh and because of that story without the beyonder we don't have the venom suit actually because that's where peter parker discovers this symbiote in that battle and you know he would he would show up later on in some other you know and i'm not and alone that part of this is just my love of secret wars one in particular secret wars 2 is okay but secret wars one where he's one of the great cosmic entities of the world who has all of this power and just wants to make other people his playthings and entertain them. And it's like they're pieces on a chessboard as he tries to see who is best. And then he's so impressed by the battle that they wage that he brings them all back. Because he didn't learn the first time. So he brings them all back for another battle. Um, and he's popped up in that sort of capacity more than once. So if you've never read Secret Wars 1 and 2, the original Secret Wars 1 and 2, not the weird later ones with like Nick Fury and stuff like that, they're worth your time to watch, read, and check out. Uh, my number one, vi- my number one villain on that list actually takes down the Beyonder during that. So good times uh, yet to be had. But the Beyonder was my
1: number eight. Yeah, we'll be talking about the Beyonder a little bit more when we talk about your number one, which right. happens to be my number one too. Spoiler alert. Mine too. Hey! Wow, a unanimous, hey, unanimous number decision. one again. Wow! Wow.
0: That is that has been a thing. Except for DC, DC wasn't unanimous because no, I, I was I was obstinate. You I, like I, What else you is new? Yes. I, I still like Lex Luthor more than the Joker. Uh, my number seven uh, was lower on Ray's list, but that was uh, the Kingpin, Wilson Fisk,
1: and he's number seven on mine as well.
0: All, all right, so, I was so just
2: one off. Okay, cool.
0: So we're we're all Team Kingpin right now. Uh, the thing that I love about the Kingpin is that he's the nemesis of multiple heroes. Uh, he started as a spider-man villain and then worked his way over to daredevil he is the ultimate street level villain and we talked about this when we talked about Vincent D'Onofrio's portrayal of him in the daredevil uh series on netflix my my favorite moment of it as as for kingpin as to how low he is as a human is his role in the brand new day storyline where he where he uh plots to assassinate Aunt may and nearly play and is the one who's responsible for having her shot uh for all the faults of brand new day because it's a terrible story him doing that was just like it was the lowest of the low and his his just the fact that he reviles peter parker so much that he would try to kill an old lady just to prove a point it was outstanding to me but king of the underworld in the Marvel Cinematic in the Marvel Universes. And uh, I love him. I think he's one of the best.
1: Yeah, I, you know, Marvel's villains are, comparatively speaking to DCs, a lot of the cosmic ones are just so overpowered that you lose sight of the fact that there are some really effective street-level guys and and villains, and Kingpin's the best. Like, you talk about, he started off in, what, the Silver Age as Spider-Man's main villain. Exactly. that, um... That one story, his wife, remember it's what his wife's name's Vanessa, right? Vanessa gives right. him 24 hours to give up his life of crime. It's either me or your, or your crime thing. And he's I'm got, do it. and he's got Spider-Man beat, you know, and he's about to do the killing blow on Spider-Man and Vanessa shows up, says your time's up. And he's like, just a couple more minutes, man. I can kill this son of a bitch. She's like, no, let him live and prove to me that you've, you know, you've given up this whole thing. That's the one Spider-Man story that really stands out, but born again, that Daredevil story, born again, that is the one that really showed me this is the depth that this guy. And, and he's, he's, I mean, the kingpin to me is like, he's almost like the godfather in a way, in that it, it's business to him. Crime is business. It's not personal, it's business, except Daredevil. That's personal. And he wants to take Matt Murdock down. And he uses, he turns his girlfriend into a junkie and gets the goods on him. And, so fun. and, yeah just basically drives matt murdoch to the point of of uh, near insanity and that whole story and the redemption of daredevil um didn't massa kelly do the art for that pat i think yeah i think so yeah that story was just i mean that's where i fell in love with daredevil and and mainly because of kingpin that's the one that sticks out with me but just a tremendous street level prick of a human being so (laughs) he's he's uh, he's fantastic
2: I'm glad you brought that up because most people most people equate Kingpin with Spider-Man, but he's always been Daredevil's guy to me.
1: Oh,
2: and he
0: he, he it, took he took over, Dare, like he moved over to Daredevil all the way. Daredevil. You're totally right on that,
2: man. And 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 Daredevil may be for all intents and purposes the best Marvel hero they that's ever been. If you look, put all things in consideration. <laughs> so for the for the fact that the Kingpin has like made his life hell. So yeah. It, you put it perfectly. He's 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 the consummate evil businessman. It's all business to him. In fact, so much that when we talked about him on the movie version, he's had to help the heroes multiple times because they oftentimes have the same interests. Right. He just wants to control what he controls, have his business, and be about his day.
0: Yeah, his um, he's the closest that he's one of the two that is really close to like an equivalent to Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. the the big di- the, the big thing about him that is just like Lex Luthor is that he doesn't have powers
2: like he's super strong but yeah that's
0: just but it's his own development like everything he's done he's self-made yeah and is is just like that's one of the things I thought the Daredevil series did really well the the, the t- television series it shows that drive to to control his own destiny his own fate and that he's going to be a self-made guy and that he does it all for the love of a woman that he does it all for the love of vanilla vanessa vanilla could be vanessa no i you know i've been drinking i like i said i that that, triple shot hey that's today's gimmick well today it's today it's odell's gimmick Where's, infringement. Where's AJ? Where's, where's
1: AJ Balaz at, Tony, with that big bottle of Jim Beam Tennessee whiskey or whatever it is? Um I will say that my
4: favorite so oh, he's trying to fly straight. Shit.
1: What? Oh, his girlfriend, that's right. My my favorite um battle
0: that Kingpin ever had though. He, again, it goes back to brand new day. The one thing I liked about Brand New Day was when Spidey figures out that Aunt May is the that um Kingpin ordered the hit. When he just goes into the prison and beats the ever loving hell out of Wilson Fisk, and Fisk was ready for that fight, like he was stoked, ready to end it, and Parker nearly kills him before he before he stops. It's one of it's the only redeeming thing out of Brand New Day. So I think that brings us. Dave, Dave that was your number seven, right? So that was my yes, number sir. seven. Is your number seven? Yes, sir. These were to Ray.
2: Well, it's it's still higher than yours. Is is going to piss you off again, Norman Osborn? This is my number seven.
0: <laughs> All this blasphemy you going on. You two should be ashamed. You should be ashamed of yourself. We're um, the same
2: person, me and Dave. <laughs> you, get
0: your get your number six. That I, I don't want to yell at you until we get to to my to where Norman is on my list.
2: My number six was mentioned earlier. It's Ultron. Okay. Um. So. Ultron gets a bad rap because the movie didn't portray him in the best light. You think? And I, th- I don't. I don't think the movie was terrible. It's just it had some really distinct points that was kind of very corny and campy.
0: It's well, it's also the equivalent of the um, the Mandalorian episode two that we just tra- talked about. Tra-
1: transitional, just a bit. He was,
2: like he was a
0: transitional
1: villain. Look,
2: well, I love. I love. I always love Age of Ultron the movie because it finally gave Hawkeye some love, and I'm a Hawkeye fan, so thank right. you for that. But nonetheless, Ultron in the comics is a savage. First and foremost, we all if you're if you're a comic fan, you know Tony Stark on on the movies is not quite the Tony Stark in the comics. Tony's an alcoholic. Tony has a whole bunch of personal problems, but there is no more almost irredeemable hero in the comics than Hank Pym. And right. the fact that Hank Pym created Ultron, number one. Even in in more recent comics, and maybe they had some in, in, in the past, but, you know, I'm not a golden age reader. I'm born 88. I've read more of the newer stuff. Ultron gets in bed with Hank Pym and is half Pym, half Ultron. So that is even more dangerous. But his pure and utter disdain for the human race is, is, is striking. Like, he is the true... We, I always mention wrestling fans. We talk about Sabu. He's truly the homicidal, genocidal, suicidal maniac. Like Ultron will, his goal is not just to kill everybody. It is to almost destroy the world, to build it back up in his image. And everybody else we've mentioned is an organic being. Ultron is not. So Ultron is never truly defeated. No matter what happens if there is any type of inorganic matter anywhere within his his reach he is never gone and how many times have you read a comic story where ultron is finished and they've beat him and then he comes back out of nowhere then if you read more recent stuff the way that ultron tried to get, kill the avengers with his son he created a son in victor mancha like the man is is genius level intellect um has done everything he can to destroy the Avengers, to destroy the Earth. Um, I can't think of any cosmic stories he's had, and maybe that's my mistake. But um, you know, Ultron is just a savage.
1: You said it, Ray. His hatred of... I'll take it a Like you said, his hatred of all humanity, and then you equated something about organic life. His hatred of all organic life is Good really point. where what distinguishes Ultron from all the other villains. And like, there's been 15 versions of him. And like Ray said, he always comes back in some different variety. Sometimes when he comes back, they're pretty lame. Other times vastly improved. And like, it, and Patrick's heard me say this. I I've lamented age of Ultron on this show before over the past year. And I understand why they did it. Okay. But it was such a disservice to the age of Ultron storyline. And I, and I get it that, Without Wolverine, right, and without Sue Richards, you can't tell the Age of Ultron storyline properly. They didn't have the rights to that. So right. I, I get why they couldn't do it. And I even posed it out when, when, uh, when Disney got the rights to those characters. I asked Pat on one of the episodes, I can't remember which one, was like, do you think they might try and redo that story in some capacity and do it justice? Probably not. But, I mean, the movie was important to introduce Scarlet Witch and Vision. And they are immensely huge, important characters in the overall MCU. So I get it, I get it. But yeah, it always bugged me the way they portrayed that storyline because Ultron is such—I mean that in Age of Ultron, that storyline when they're going back in time, Wolverine and Sue go back, they murder Hank Pym to try and stop Ultron's origin from ever happening. It doesn't work, and eventually they come up with the idea Hank puts a uh, like a backdoor into Ultron's programming, and that's how they eventually kind of triumph. Um, but yeah, his <laughs> just the level of depravity and and destruction that Ultron perpetrates upon the entirety of the MCU. Um, right. I, I mean, you got to put him up there. I mean, I, I know he's not on Pat, Pat's list, but I mean, yeah, he's he's a major major player as far as villains in Marvel, as far as I'm concerned.
0: He's a he's a robot with daddy issues,
1: which is yeah, which
0: think, is which yes. is. <laughs> Over- I, it's it's a, it's a it's an oversimplifying way of describing it but it but at its heart and where he started it's a it's a robot with daddy issues and his resentment of hank pym because Lord. hank pym overextended his himself trying to make a creature in his own image and that image looked at him and was like no you, you like humanity is inferior and must be destroyed like it's it's a very simple story it's a very good story Ultron. And,
2: Ultron's in the second ten. And, and can we point out the um? I, you know, a lot of well, we haven't really talked about how a lot, of, maybe a little bit with Red, with Red Skull, but we haven't really talked a lot about how these villains kind of uh, affect or are affected by the world, the real world we live in. There is, I think, no. There's not been very many bigger fears in the populace than artificial intelligence and what could happen. That is a very real thing that people have been afraid of for years, for decades, right? Since Terminator came this out. Terminator, right? I robot in the more recent terms. like the, But Ultron preys on that fear just as much as the Red Skull preys on the Nazi fear or as all the Watchmen stuff preyed on the Cold War fears. And so I, I think because... We've gotten in such gotten to such a, a a new time with so much going on, and we're so smart now. We know so much. We don't think about that, but I think that Ultron, especially at the time he was created in the comics, I think that's a that's a, a thing that we have to we have to equate to his character as to another reason why he was such a scary character for people.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's Soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas it's 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 relatable even though it probably has no right to be but it is and and that's he's uh yeah man i got another one you could say you could say well maybe you could have been higher on my list but i i like where you got him oh,
2: well bro hey look phobias aren't relatable the thing i told y'all that my phobia is i ain't never seen it but i'm still right. afraid of it
0: there you go all right it's time for uh everybody to take a drink because i think whose turn is it is it Dave's turn? Is number six? Yeah. So, for those of you keeping score at home, kids, Patrick and I forgot the order. Drink.
1: <laughs> um, my number six, unless the order changed, I think is higher on Patrick's list, and it's Apocalypse. Yep, still higher on my list. And higher on race too. All
0: right. All right, my number six, just based on what you guys have said so far, I'm going to assume is not on your list, but it's somebody I'm bullish about showing up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe soon, and that is Kang the Conqueror. Second ten. Second ten. ten. So, here's a character from the future who might be related to Doctor Doom, who might be related to Reed Richards, who might even be related to Apocalypse himself, who is fascinated with history, sees the course of the events of the world, and wants to change them to meet his own evil uh, gains. And he does it repeatedly. And I think... He is a spot-on Marvel character to become a big bad in the MCU, so much so the casting rumors are surrounding the character showing up in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie in the future. This dude believes he understands the course and the flow of time to the extent that he will do anything in in his power to change it and alter it and allow him to continue to dominate the world that he lives in for the sake of preserving the world that he lives in I, he's just, he, I love him I think that he's, he's, he's been a foe for the Avengers he's been a foe for the Fantastic Four he is a an ever present problem for Marvel and he does it in spite of some of these superior forces that exist
4: let me ask Patrick one quick question Dave I'm sorry Would you have played that character then in in the MCU?
0: It's all the casting rumor. um, I'm going to forget his name, but if you've watched uh, Lovecraft Country, the lead um, in Lovecraft Country, uh, the guy who plays Atticus, is rumored to be the one
2: who was. uh,
0: Yes. Who is the one who is rumored to have been cast as Kang the Conqueror. No, he signed. Is, is that, that a,
2: is that official? Yeah, it's just we don't know when he's gonna debut it because the rumors is it's gonna be it for Ant-Man three, but he's gonna play right. King.
0: Right. So I think that's a good cast. I think that's as a good casting. I liked his work in Lovecraft Country. He plays a he plays a bit more of a sort of an altruistic sort of guy in Love Lovecraft Country, uh, with some secrets like a, a dark past. But I think that he could be a very good King of the Conqueror uh, and it, as we've said, Marvel does know how to cast. So I have a lot of faith there. But yeah, love me mm-hmm. some Kang the Conqueror.
1: Kang's one of those characters that's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Although he's, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a, a major... Uh, Very cerebral. Yeah, exactly. And it's, his stories are not the easiest to follow because they're jumping through time. I know there's one like one that I read recently where like, it's similar to the whole age of Ultron thing where uh, Wolverine and Sue went back in time to try and wipe out Hank Pym to prevent Ultron from being created. And there's a story where I think vision and I forget who else go back in time to kill baby Kang, but vision, it it basically runs against what's left of visions programming and they take off through time. And this creates all sorts of problems. Um, Yeah, I mean, when you're jumping through time like that, it creates time paradoxes and it creates some problems. Which is so much fun. It's fun. It's not the easiest thing to follow. Um, I I, I think my concern with Kang in the MCU is that they will kind of use him as like a Loki type character or God forbid, like Ultron, like we just talked about, and make him very transitional to a bigger big bad. And I think that's that's kind of a... possible. And I think that's a disservice to Kang because he could be the big bad. Um, right. If they're going to bring him in, in Ant-Man 3, that's got a lot of possibilities because once you're dealing with the quantum realm and everything that that entails, then we'll see what, you know, See, maybe that's how Kang gets introduced. But Here, here's, in, 20, here's in 20, one of 2027, of course.
0: Here's here's one of my favorite Kang the Conqueror uh, elements, that there's Kang Prime and there are other Kangs out there, one of which is a teenage version of him who poses as a child vision as part of the Young Avengers. And his whole thing is to try and stop his father. Basically to try and stop his own existence. So that Kang the Conqueror doesn't become Kang the Conqueror. Like, I love I love shit with time loops and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And parallel worlds. It's why Exiles is one of my favorite Marvel comics of all time. Which the one? The X-Men playing Quantum. Exiles?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. X, X-Men and Quantum Leap? basically going through different realities fixing various timelines hoping each time that the next leap will be the leap home
1: right right know. and and marvel d- does the time travel and they stayed true to that in endgame where they you yeah. know the whole back to the future is all full of shit you know that's very prevalent in the comics that just because you eliminate one aspect of a timeline doesn't have a cascading effect on all reality you know that sort of thing so yeah the kang stories are a lot of fun and uh he's uh <laughs> It's like you can see into the future, but you can't see how you're going to get foiled this time around. All right, well, that, that's what makes it fun. How are they going to figure it out this time? Exactly. I, I like, I like the book.
2: For the record, Kang is, is rumored to be the the ne- Avengers Five villain. So,
1: so we, so be. maybe we get at
0: least at least we get two movies of him, and, and I can live with that as one of my favorite villains of all time. Hashtag, so that brings
1: us hashtag twenty twenty seven.
0: That's right. I was really not low-key, not going to lie, I was kind of hoping that they hadn't called the victor by today so that we could joke about uh, (laughs) having a president-elect in hashtag 2027, but it didn't happen. What did happen is that we just went through our 10 through 6, which means it's time to take a little break. Before we go on a little break, uh, let me just remind everybody to jump on to prowrestlingtease.com forward slash the chair shot. Take a look at our inventory. If you like what we're doing, buy a shirt. We got all kinds of stuff. We got hashtag Safe Tag Team Wrestling. Ray, did you say you have a hashtag Journalism shirt, or were you just making that
2: up? I don't own it, but the chair shot has a hashtag Journalism shirt, and mm-hmm. I will forever believe that's that's our shirt. So fair enough. You can also.
0: You can also get yourself a Bandwagon Nerd shirt. Those are there as well, as well as plenty of ChairShot.com, various logos, and all of those looks. It's no longer relevant as Plat balaz did not win the election. However, if you still want to support their transition campaign out of the election, you can get a Platt-Balaz 2020 shirt, <laughs> much to the disapproval of one PC Tony, You can also get the Queen of South-South shirt, the shirt of Miranda Morales, and much, much more. You can always get your shirts in the standard style, but if you're feeling fancy, spend a little bit of extra money, get it soft style. It'll feel nice on your giblets. Otherwise, okay, I was like, I I get confused. sometimes. I gotta stop staring at the screen. But anyway, that's gonna do it. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the villain project and then reminisce a little bit about one year of the bandwagon nerds. Till then, listen to some commercials, and we'll be right back on the flip side with our five through one. You are listening to bandwagon nerds.
3: Promotional consideration paid for by the following.
2: Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your
4: head. All right. We are, right,
2: we are back. back.
0: And there's that echo again. Thank you, PC Tony. Uh, we are... <laughs> I love playing him. He's like, what did I do? Well, muted. It's great. Uh, I don't know that it was you, man. I'm just giving you a hard time. But uh, we are going to go into our five through one in the villain project, the final five in the uh villain project with my number five i can only imagine with at least with dave because he hypes this guy up to this zoos higher up on the list and that for me is number five is galactus dave is nodding higher on your list higher on ray's list that's fine dave why don't you take everybody into your number five then
1: uh my number five i did not see on patrick's list i think there's a reasonable chance he's on ray's list maybe not i guess we're gonna find out but my number five is loki come on bro Oh, no, eight? no, he's no, no. He's on your second ten, I hope.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, yeah. is. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> they yeah.
1: said, sure. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I mean yeah. Loki <laughs> Loki to me is is I, I've got him up here because without Loki, and I'm not talking about the MCU. I'm talking about in the comics. Without Loki, there is no Avengers because he that whole story where he's trying to finally rid the universe of his brother. By using the Hulk and manipulating the Hulk, which yeah, it happened in the comics and in the movies, uh, sets the stage for Iron Man and Wasp and Ant Man and yeah, I think that was it. Uh, the initial Thor. the the Thor. four right, Thor, Thor, yeah, Thor of course. Well, yeah, that I forgot it. I I thought it was almost given that he was there, but uh, but that story kind of formed the Avengers and and Loki. Historically, has been a major thorn in the side of his brother, and and, and their stories and, and and everything that he's doing to try and bring about because he discovers Ragnarok or the prophecy of Ragnarok, and then he spends his eternal existence essentially trying to bring about the end of Asgard through Ragnarok, and, and everything he does with all the mischief, with all the plots, with all the plans, isn't it like Hela was portrayed as? Odin's daughter in in Thor Ragnarok but it's really Loki's daughter I think in the comics. I honestly I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember, but I thought I thought it was something like that. But I mean, he's he's always got something up his sleeve and is a major pain in the ass for just about every hero in the Marvel universe at one time or another. He's um he's he's charismatic in the comics but much more um yeah, there's a there's a level of malevolence to him in the comics that I don't think kind of came through in the movie so much. But yeah, I mean, Loki's number five for me. I, I, I love the character. I love all the stories involving him. His stuff with Thor is absolutely fantastic. His stuff with the Avengers that goes on for many issues is, is equally good. He's always got his hands in something going on with the Marvel Universe, you know. Um, so yeah, he's number five for me. I mean, he turned Thor into a frog. Like, literally turned Thor into a frog. Wolf. That's true. That's right. What else? Can and, I say? Yeah,
0: I I don't think there's anything wrong with the pick of Loki. Uh, yeah. Thor's just not a comic that I read very much. You're right. He is fundamental in the formation of the Avengers, but he was never really an Avengers villain. Once you got past that, uh, he really was focused on Thor. I think the great thing about Loki is that the character itself has found a lot of renaissance and resurgence in some of the different forms that Loki has taken, whether it be the female Loki, the child Loki, Like both of those have been, in recent memories, part of that character as well, and have really added some depth and layers to that character. And again, this is another character that is one that feels spurned by its, pe- by its people.
1: Right. You know, exactly. as a child. Right. What? the whole uh, thing. That is- yeah, by well, his by, by
0: his by his mother too. Like spurned oh. by the frost giants, spurned spurned by Odin in the sense that he feels that he should be ruler of Asgard, not Thor. So you know, I see the sibling rivalry, resentment piece of it as much as anything. And kudos to Marvel for of all the faults that you know, and a lot of kind of railing that folks give Stanley in particular for the copying of DC characters using Norse mythology. To run with a, uh, a successful comic book series, you got to give some credit and a tip of the cap there that they've been yep. able to keep that going.
1: Absolutely, yep. I mean, and 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 you know, in in the um in the movies where Thor gets banished from Asgard down to Earth is is actually taken sort of from the comics as well. With the whole, I mean, they, right. they don't in the in the movie, you know, they go to um what is Jotunheim to try and take down. The frost giants and, and in, in the comics, it's more of the frost giants trying to take down Asgard and something happens and Odin gets pissed and takes away Thor's powers and throws him, makes him Donald Blake, you know, which they only gave right. a little nod to that in the, in the comics. And, and Loki which was at, totally fine. Yeah. And Loki was at the center of all that stuff in, in both ver- variations. So yeah, I, I, I love the, I love the villain. I think he's um, a Renaissance to say the least in by modern standards. That's why he's going to get his own show. So, yeah, right. Loki's number five for me.
2: All right, Ray, wait number five on us. Stupid question, but do you think that Loki would be as big a deal on the screen if it wasn't for Tom Middleston?
0: No, I no. think the right guy had to play Loki. I, agree. Casting. I think agree. Tom
1: Hiddleston was the right person. Casting. Marvel has got casting right repeatedly, and that was one of their big
2: hits. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, my number five, I think the casting was decent because he was in a movie. But the movie was trash. Hello. My number, my number five was Apocalypse.
1: Higher on my list.
2: I thought so. Yeah, that movie. Sucked. So then, yeah, you know, I can normally find something redeeming about any of them. That was garbage. <laughs> it was bad. Um, yeah, that was that was bad. Um, number four, then my number four then because my number four right? Yep. Is uh is Magnus Magneto?
1: Higher, higher on my higher list. list. Higher on mine. Okay. Dave, your number four. My number four. You just mentioned him. Is Galactus. Uh, higher on raise number four. Yeah, my number higher four. on raise. We're just so plowing through the- this. Right. So that brings <laughs> it to my number four. My number
0: four is Apocalypse. Okay. Uh, is it higher on your list, Dave? No. Nope. We still going over it. Was is-
1: it was number six on mine? Number six. Okay.
0: Um, number two X Men villain of all time basically dark side if if we're really splitting hairs and a lot a lot of viewpoints in in the sense of just like i know a lot of people go to thanos i go to apocalypse um the first mutants the and it's more of the aesthetic and the look as it is opposed to anything and if thanos is on either of your lists i can't wait to tear that down for you guys but yeah look at that see i saw those faces As your your incensed reactions. And and Saban Moore. In in the comic books. Is just. He's unbeatable. He's never defeated. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. He is as far beyond mutants. As mutants are beyond humans. And he. You know. To rip off the MCU. He really is inevitable. In his own mind. And really does not just not just you know the x-men battling him but like he creates his four horsemen he manipulates x-men to be his four horsemen he's turned wolverine into war he took away the most famous look for angel is arguably the archangel look that was created by apocalypse he is the reason we have days of futures past he's the reason we have age of apocalypse which is a reality where Apocalypse 1 and the life that exists after Apocalypse 1 he is everything in the X-Men universe and for me like I was hard pressed between him and my number 3 as to which should be number 3 and which should be number 4 but it came down to depth of character at the end of the day for my number 3 and so Apocalypse is my number 4
2: didn't he he create didn't he turn Nathaniel Essex into Mr. Sinister or 2 He's responsible.
0: Okay.
1: continuity. Yeah, he's he's responsible for Mister Sinister. Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, yeah, man, Apocalypse is one of the most. Um, there, I don't know. Can we consider him the first mutant? No, one of if, he's the first if not the mutant.
1: one of if not the first mutant. I think most people yeah. consider him one of. I don't know first maybe there were i think there are other ones like he was gray-skinned even back in the early egyptian days and that sort of thing yeah. and that was different but you're splitting hairs at that point right
2: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um and Sabinor, by the way i love that name um no apocalypse is a man apocalypse is um probably of all the guys on this list the one guy that's untouchable right like i i think Patrick was saying, to and I can't remember, but like literally every single one of these guys on this list have been beaten. And I can't remember apocalypse losing like it's 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 always been kind of we got around something or we got away from something. But like he doesn't lose. Um, and yeah, the, the 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 four horsemen and all the people he's turned and all the people he's in, he's responsible for creating or giving extra powers or or changing yeah, it's a fantastic pick.
1: Yeah, he was um wasn't if I remember correctly, Apocalypse not only Mister Sinister, but he was integral with Cable and Strife. Didn't yeah That's right because he tries to get Cable in the, one of these future timelines, and he ends up getting Cable's clone, and that turns into Strife, and then Strife revolts <laughs> against Apocalypse and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the Four Horsemen, the Age of Apocalypse storyline, one of the X Men's most notorious villains. Uh just pretty much unbeatable. I mean, a lot of the villains we talk about, like Red Skull, like Ultron, like Apocalypse, they all find ways to come back in one variation or another, and usually worse each time they there's a new incarnation of them. So uh yeah, I love the pick. I mean I had them a little bit lower on my list, but it's uh it's an awesome pick.
2: Yeah, completely agree.
1: So that was my number four. That was your number four apocalypse? Okay. Yes. So uh my number four wait. So it's your number three then, because I already, because I said Galactus, right? And then that's higher on Ray. Oh, did I skip, did I skip my number five? Drink, Patrick.
2: No, you know. no, no. You said your number five, because I, I think I had it higher. Who yeah, my number him. five,
1: my number five is Galactus. Right. So then yeah, I, and I my have number it four. And I had yeah. it So we're now on, so it shouldn't be, so what you're saying is my number three? I think yeah. it's your number three. Your number four not, is, is Apocalypse, right? Apocalypse. My number three is Magneto. He's higher on that higher
0: on
2: dave's so we'll move on to dave's number three
1: my number three is
2: thanos perfect uh, same person sir um <laughs> uh, b- before hey, hey real quick real quick real quick real quick raise your hand if you didn't have thanos on, this li- on your list there's uh one not even else.
1: ashamed not even ashamed
0: this is a character that is popular because of a movie and jim wants his nuts um little infinity gauntlet story
2: you Thanos, have never seen Thanos, the little nasty-ass walk that Thanos, kept this to go Thanos, in face?
0: Thanos, before the Infinity Gauntlet story, was a goof of a character that flew a fucking helicopter. Fuck Thanos. He's a piece of trash obsessed with death. Now, you guys, go ahead and spend your time waxing poetic about your boy Thanos, because at the end of the day, He's a fucking joke of a comic book character, the a helicopter, and was routinely soundly beaten, soundly beaten by the Avengers, left and right, until whoever wrote the uh, Infinity Gauntlet song, because I'm forgetting his name, um, until he came
4: along, Jim something or other. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Patrick O'Dowd to this show.
1: Yeah, um, but you can't ignore the existence of Infinity Gauntlet. You're, you're ignoring, <laughs> you're going to ignore a significant storyline in the Marvel and, and everything that happens after that. we uh, got the infinity war. Um, you, you ready, you ready for some more news? Sure. That was a shitty
0: set of, that was a shitty set of comic books. Like go back and reread the infinity.
2: Yeah, it's story. Story. No, it's oh, terrible. It's terribly written. It's horrible. Oh, Stalin but you like himself. all this, you like got to flying around and like flying right around in this time with King the Conqueror, but you can't rock with the Infinity. Ga- oh my lord! Jim Starlin oh. himself has said that it was shitty writing on his part.
1: I have worked Ray off of the show. Ray just left. Uh, I fuck I, comic book Thanos. I fuck dis- comic book Thanos. You heard it here first, kids. I disagree. <laughs> You I can just, disagree all you want. I, he's I, a trashy character. Uh, I, I mean, I love. I love the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Uh, it wasn't. It, it was go totally, back and read
2: it. I've mean, It's I so dumb. Did go back and but, read it. It's really dumb. Like it's what, just dumb. put some respect on Thanosis Johnson's name. Okay, oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Put some respect on his name, sir. Uh, I look, I just think Happy anniversary guys,
1: yeah, the, 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 his, (laughs) I mean, in the comics, he's obsessed with lady death, not so much death, but just impressing whoever lady death is and, and the infinity gauntlets all about that and reshaping reality around him. But I mean, I don't understand how his showdown with the eternals, including Galactus in the infinity gauntlet was Epic. And just like some of the stuff that he does, like the way he kills Cyclops by putting that cube around his face and suffocating him to death, it's just so harsh. I mean, it's one of those things that stands out. And everything in Infinity War, when Infinity Gauntlet's not the end of the story, it goes on for a long time with multiple spinoffs and Adam Warlock getting involved in Adam Slipping. I know it stuck us with Adam Warlock. How awesome was that, you guys? Adam Warlock's <laughs> badass. I... Ray, yes. we're, just like, we're just preaching to the choir here, Ray, but, uh,
2: really? <laughs> Boy. because of, because of Adam Warlock, we got stuck with Magnus. You just think, you know, a person dog, you think, you know, a person, I know. and you know, then this, this pops up. on. Of...
1: I got opinions, yo. We know <laughs> they're the wrong opinions, but we know, uh, but, but anyway, how you're the one who likes Rise of Skywalker, so. And you like Last Jedi, but hey, that's, that's beside the point. I know, I like good Star Wars movies. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll let Ray go on this. I mean, I, I think Thanos is, uh, without the Infinity Gauntlet, not such a badass. With the Infinity Gauntlet, damn near unbeatable. Um, and
2: his... Well, Everybody's unbeatable without with the Infinity Gauntlet. You have the Infinity Gauntlet of the stones. You're literally the most powerful being in the universe. But everybody can wield the Infinity Gauntlet, though. Hmm. That's an important to note.
0: Right. Mm. He flew a Uh-oh. fucking helicopter and was a goof. Squirrel hey, he Girl. A, a, Squirrel Raptors. Girl
2: beat Thanos. He is an Eternal. He's the son of Eternal.
1: Wait a second. Squirrel Girl beat Galactus and Doctor Doom as well, so don't go throwing shade at Squirrel Girl, man.
2: Hey, Squirrel Girl. I
1: mean, man. I, like, I, I like Squirrel Girl, but um, <laughs> Thanos also flew, ho- flew a helicopter and was a goof. Ray, what do you have to say about Thanos? You've got him at number three th- as well, so...
2: Yeah, but I'm I'm i I'm I'm like low key offended. I'm I'm blown away right now at the blatant disrespect. Like, I can understand you don't want to have him in your top five, but like okay, look. So ultimately it comes down to this. And I will give you this. I will give you I will see this. Outside of No well, no because Thanos killed uh Oh Thanos killed and almost killed uh, <laughs> comics, Thanos is a real car. He is, he is much bigger than the damn glove, he's bigger than that. Okay,
0: but I know he's got a helicopter, and even they even wrote his name on the helicopter. It says
2: Thanos because so you might forget him, that it was his. So, you're telling me you have a problem with him having multiple forms of transportation and multiple skills? I'm just, have back- you seen that helicopter? You're mad because he went to college and learned how to fly a
0: helicopter. He didn't go
2: to college. He lived on Titan. He went to he went to the I mean,
0: university. He, of Titan. Oh, stop that. it! I don't know. Just stop it. Quit trying. I'm just gonna you know for the next week in the Bandwagon Nerds chat, I'm just gonna send images of Thanos getting his ass kicked left and right. Anyway, yeah,
2: yeah. any 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 less or more than some of the other guys we got? In fact. <sighs> number ones that got his ass beat more than anybody on this list keeps it real. That's
1: true. <laughs> Keep it real. If we're looking at win loss, wins and losses. Mm-hmm. Ma- it's like aw wins and losses matter. Let's uh, let's start. No, they there. don't matter. Everybody knows that those they don't matter. Like, stop it. I want to see Doom. It's I want to see Dr. Doom's win a- loss. Versus I also, want you to think that Cody Rhodes is a legit main eventer.
2: Garrett Runnels, sir. I know. i Anyway, we're I, not
1: we're not we're not a wrestling podcast. Let let's just divert away right, from so, that. So Ray,
0: why don't you why don't you get us back on track with your number three? Unless did we lose
1: Ray? Ray okay. Ray appears to be oh. Ray Ray's internet struck again, Dave. The infinity gauntlet. I think Ray's number three was the same as mine actually. I think he had Thanos as well. I just know that Ray was so incensed that
0: he he needs to Oh, there he is. He back?
2: Yeah, sorry. Yeah, see y'all, y'all, y'all made things so bad. You made things so bad, Patrick. My internet dropped for five seconds.
0: That's because your internet re- recognizes real. Because real recognizes real, and I just got real with you. That's what happened there. I said what I said.
2: I said what I, I said. To put a to put a bow on this, and just <laughs> I'll, it's the there best best radio is in not a history
0: of bandwagon nerds.
2: There is not a a a Marvel universe, a, a Marvel a Marvel comic universe, a Marvel cosmic universe. You don't have that without Thanos and in the Infinity Saga. You don't have so much of what's happened later on without Thanos. He is one of the most important villains in the history. And again, he has the most famous um, comic PowerPoint. book in the history of Marvel. Cap walking his sassy ass to Thanos' face and pointing at him and saying, No, that I don't. Is there am I wrong? Is there any more comic book frame in Marvel more popular than that?
0: Spider Man lifting the weight of a building off of his back in 1960,
2: whatever. I never never saw that until the movie, I didn't know that was a thing.
1: Spider Man, little more. Look, here's the thing. There are only a handful of villains on any of our lists who have basically taken the entire Marvel Universe and beaten their ass. Thanos is one of them. (laughs) There you go. I like the way way you're talking. Why don't you you, you take us to your number two? (laughs) Go ahead,
2: Mike. We're going to talk about Thanos some more. (laughs) Leave your conversation. (laughs) Please.
1: Go ahead, Rick. It's already going to be a two and a half hour show. Bring us to your number two, Rick. DeMar- DeMarco going to give me shit. Uh, I'm living my life. I'm living my best life,
0: right now. I'm I'm okay with it, but it's it's time for your number two, man. We're blaming Come the on. scotch. Oh. Blame the scotch. So <laughs> blaming Fair. the election. We spent a good thirty minutes on the election today.
2: <laughs> um thank you for that sir um uh yes so in lieu of being able to comfortably speak about my number three (laughs) i will speak about my number two (laughs) which is the eater of worlds galactus um Galactus Armstrong? is Bray
1: Wyatt? Bray Wyatt.
2: <laughs> this stuff got to come from somewhere, right? Um, Galactus is a very almost misunderstood villain because in many places Galactus actually is a good guy. Um, in 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 some of these stories. But ultimately, Galactus has a, a has an insatiable hunger that forces him to eat worlds. And um with that comes um What's the what's the power that um the power cosmic, right? That he's able right. to, to imbue in people. Henceforth, him creating the Silver Surfer and giving Silver Surfer his powers, and Silver Surfer being one of his minions or whatever the word is he calls him. It's not I know it's not minion. It's a little special word, but herald. I can't remember what he called The
1: Herald of Galactus. <laughs> herald of Galactus. Yep.
2: Herald. Even Tony Stark was a herald at one point, by the way. Um, but um, and 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 I, I think. Again, another situation where so much of who he is has been ruined by a movie. Because Galactus is not a cloud. <laughs> Galactus is a being, yes. with a stupid hat, but still a being. Um, but um, Galactus is nigh unbeatable. Like, and I know he's a Fantastic Four villain, and him and Reed have had some knockdown dragouts. But um, every time that Galactus is beaten, he's beaten with the help of somebody who he has given the power cosmic to. So he's never beaten like on a one-on-one or a one-on-everybody basis, you know. Unlike right. some of the other people, Mister O'Dowd has on his list.
0: Oh, um, stop it! Look at you now—you're you're all mad. <laughs> Look at you all mad now. I hate it on Thanos, <laughs> and you are mad. You are
2: hot. <laughs> I'm feelings. a little bit, a little bit. Uh, little and I'm red-ass. So uh, red-ass Ray Cash. <laughs> if I wasn't so melanated, I would be red right now. You're correct. Um. Uh but yeah, I think I think because of his importance in the MCU, because of the things that he's done, because of the worlds he's eaten, because of the danger that he promotes and, and, and is, re- realizes, I think he is the second most iconic and important Marvel villain of all time.
0: When Galactus shows up, like shit's shit's getting real. And anytime Galactus shows up, you always get a visit from a watu who for those of you who don't know who Ulatu is, that's the Watcher. And the Watcher doesn't just show up for anything. And so for the Watcher to show up for anything of consequence is always is always a huge deal. Because of because of Galactus, like you said, Ray, we know we have the Silver Surfer. We have so many just iconic moments. He did get defeated by your boy Thanos in the in the Infinity saga. I'm sorry. Ten Can months.
2: you say that one more time? I'm sorry.
0: Oh yeah, Thanos beat him. It uh, oh. doesn't mean I still like Thanos or think he's the top ten villain in the Marvel Cinematic the Marvel Universe. He beat all the Eternals.
2: Um, let's let's
1: not shortchange it. He beat all the Eternals combined.
2: Thank, thank you for the facts, Mr. Ungar. Thank you so much. I'm here for. i
1: with the facts. I don't think he's a good villain. I'm sorry.
2: Actually, I'm not sorry.
1: Whatever. Sorry not sorry. Sorry not sorry. I, anyway. I mean, Galactus was uh, what number four. Galactus, is that, what he's, is that just, like his? I need, like I need to start drinking. Galactus, uh, number four on my list. Uh, yeah, the Senior Galactus, the, the, Galactos? the, the eat, eater of worlds and the major villain for the Fantastic Four. Um, the only time he's really been beat that I can recall is when he was depowered, so they kind of starve him. The out. Ultimate Nullifier. Yeah, they kind of the starve ultimate him nullifier out by Reed Richards. and 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 that sort of thing. So, but yeah, when he's when he's showing up. And I mean, he's, he's almost a little sympathetic because he really doesn't have a choice in the matter. He's got to feed. And, you know, I think he would prefer to, you know, to consume the life force of uninhabited planets if he can, but he's not really going to discriminate against uninhabited versus inhabited. It's whatever's there. His heralds, like he doesn't, he doesn't really try that hard. His heralds try harder than he does. Like silver Surfer exactly. will try before he turned, will try and find a, uh, an uninhabited world as much as he can and, and and that sort of thing. And I know like there's a crossover DC Marvel crossover where Superman ends up the Herald of Galactus and he's got the same <laughs> sort of issues as, you know, I don't want to find an inhabited planet for this guy. Uh, but yeah, he's supremely powerful and unstoppable and the power cosmic and all that. I mean, the, I, the stuff with him and the silver surfer before I, I should say turn isn't the right word. Silver Star- surfer earns his liberation from Galactus, right. and, and i mean galactus has had a bunch of other heralds but obviously and apparently silver surfer is his favorite and that keeps coming back around to the point where when galactus is in trouble he's got to ask silver surfer for some help and assistance every once in a while and there's a begrudging respect and dare say a little bit of affection between galactus and silver surfer that you see come up from time to time he's one of my main candidates for the big bad in you know, 2027, when we go back to the theaters and that sort of thing, even with president elect Biden, it's still 2027. But, um, but yeah, Galactus is, uh, he's, he is as as bad as they come. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to
0: argue against that. Um, we talked about this a lot last week and we talked about it briefly here. Uh, cinematic representations, please don't judge your, your feelings of Galactus on the second fantastic four movie because it's a joke Galactus is a cloud, and I understand that Galactus is kind of goofy looking. Like, let's be real; like he's kind of goofy looking as this giant entity. But you also got kind of to consider the time in in which he was created. There, like, there's just to me, there, like he unravels the existence of planets, and that's you you can't you can't deny that power. It's
1: yeah. it's amazing. The cinema, the, the movies shit upon two of the more powerful villains on DC and Marvel. One was Parallax, Parallax was a joke, right. and Galactus
2: is the other one. To Absolutely. be fair to be fair, no standing up for that. How the blue hell or purple hell, since we speaking of Galactus, would you would you film him in that respect? Honestly, Ray, you embrace it. Like that's the thing that like, the campiness
3: still
0: have this. Yeah. This, <laughs> Look, and here's this why it's right. like, oh, hey. Well, and here and here's why, and we talked about this. Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, if Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't embrace the silly, and James Gunn's the right director for that that set of movies, but if you don't embrace that and just acknowledge it for what it is, then you get something dumb like a freaking cloud that floats through space that devours planets. That people look at and are like this is stupid. Whereas at least with the kind of the concept of Galactus, like you already have a base that understands a look. Like we ex- we have expectations of how we expect Galactus to look, and so you can bring that in. And, and I thought that was one of the best things that James Gunn did with like Ronan the Accuser, who can be kind of a silly character. They they just kind of embrace that silly look and that dogma. And, and fans will accept it, and they'll, and they'll buy into it, and, and bought into it to the tune of 150 million dollars.
2: It's so, interesting you said that because Guardians has probably given the two best, uh, best kind of examples of how how they can do collectibles. Because number one, mm-hmm. nowhere is the severed head of a of a celestial
0: a, a, a eternal, yeah, or and, a celestial. Two, you're
2: right. And two, they got ego real well. When they right. when when he gets pissed off and becomes the planet again, they did that I think really well. Right. right? So yeah, you, that gives me hope. Good point.
0: Embrace the goofy. Go for it. Why not, Dave? I think it's to you, man.
1: My number two. I think uh, we already discussed him as Magneto. Uh, we haven't. Yeah, he was he was my, he was my number three. Right. My number uh, four. You're number four. Uh so Magneto is. I know Patrick. You mentioned Apocalypse as one of the two X Men villains. I'm sure Magneto is the other one you're thinking of. Uh, yeah, he's my not—he was my number three. I mean, the guy is just <laughs> supremely intelligent, and the—the the basic concept of Magneto is just mutants first, you know, and that, and that sort of thing. And he—he he wants what's right for his people. His backstory is fascinating because he, you know, a survivor of the Holocaust camps. And, and and he's he's so he's seen firsthand the oppression and systematic slaughter of a race of people by humans. And he's damned if he's going to let another of his people suffer the same fate. Fuck the consequences. His relationship with Charles Xavier is one of the best things in all the Marvel Universe. It's complex. It, it It's it's fascinating. It's times it's heart-wrenching because they're at odds and and you want to see them get along and a lot of times they do let's be honest they're not always at odds but um everything that he does it, it just this the stuff that he does his powers are okay maybe not on a galactus level or even an infinity gauntlet level when thanos has that but he's still a mega powered badass who has the power of magnetism the best stuff with him involves his kids in my opinion i mean i love avengers disassembled and house of m are two of my ultimate favorite marvel stories and you know pat you and i have theorized a lot of times that that's where they're going with wandavision we're not alone in that sentiment right and you know the whole thing with house of m where where he's at the center of that or at least you think it is and then it kind of takes a little turn at the end but um you know the whole no more mutants and that he he's he's like depowered but he gets his power back and that sort of thing but i mean magneto's stuff is just is just so good he's at the center of so many iconic storylines with the x-men that um you know and i know you guys have stuff to say about him so i'm not going to monopolize this but yeah he's he's right. number oh. number two <laughs> yeah he's uh he's number two on my list just because he's so smart powerful cunning and and, and you you get you know people who listen to me i'm jewish i lost family members in the holocaust way back when so i kind of empathize with magneto a little bit i understand where he's coming from don't agree with a lot of what he does but i get it and um yeah he's he's a tremendous character and just so multi-layered and 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 just not so simplistic and a lot of the marvel villains are like that and so he's fantastic Uh
0: well, you consider the origins of the X-Men comic book franchise, and when it was created, and, and it was definitely an allegory for the Civil Rights Movement and the unrest that was happening at the time that it was written, and you have Dr. King and Malcolm X, basically, with Charles Xavier and and Magneto, and sort of their approaches, in which they both have the same sort of end goal, yet it's different how you get there and what it takes to do it. And... The complexity of their relationship is such, and I don't think a lot of people understand this. That you know Martin Luther King and Malcolm X had a pretty complex relationship as well.
2: They did that, like each other. Keep it a buck. They did like exactly. each other.
0: But 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 the, the folks folks make a lot of assumptions as to what that relationship means. And it's a little bit different with you know Professor Xavier and Magneto, in that these are two friends that are on diverging paths, and so much of what eric lyncher believes is is from his is is based on his past and what he's seen out of the worst in humanity and so for him there is no going back and you know you talked about some of your favorite storylines dave you know i think asteroid m is a great storyline to look at as well i love there was a period in the late 90s early 2000s where he poses as zorn i don't know if you all remember this uh, where he he uh, he basically infiltrates the X-Men to bring down the X-Men. It's it's a fun little storyline where Zorn's head is supposed to be a star. is like this like silly notion of what it is. And at, at the end, it's it's Magneto the whole time pulling the strings. Gets, gets Xavier out of the way to try and bring down the X-Men. Um, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, we talked about that before. Are they really the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, or are they just the Brotherhood of Mutants? You know, and it's all about your perspective, and that's the thing I think that makes Magneto such an interesting and great villain, is that it's all about perspective with him, and you can understand him, you can connect to him, especially if you're somebody who has a shared experience with him, in some way, shape, or form. And so, actually, he's my top three. My top three were we had no question about them at all. Uh, when I wrote them down and Magneto was my number three by an eyelash.
2: It brings the question is Magneto a villain. And this is something that I've mentioned on here mm-hmm. over the past few three, three four weeks, which is why, because initially when we had, when you told me Marvel villains, get ready, there was no question. Magneto was number one. I didn't, I it. it boom. Easy. And when I laid out, when I let all the list of people who I thought were worthy of the list I started moving him further down. And the reason I moved him further down was because I look at him as less of a villain and as more of an antihero. Perspective is a very important thing you mentioned. Um, the best example I think I've ever seen of this is not a Marvel or DC comic, but Walking Dead. And forgive me for, you know, for going to that and, and kind of bloviating on that front, but just think about this we were we have been we have been led to believe that Negan was the bad guy the entire time because we saw everything through Rick Grimes' eyes. If we flipped everything and saw everything through Negan's eyes, Rick Grimes is a reprehensible human being. Right? You know? So so many of the of the heroes we see, if we saw them through a different lens, are they heroes? You know? How many people are lost in the fights the heroes fight. How many people are killed, not only on purpose, but just on you know mistakenly or just in in transit, just because they they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. So when I think of a guy like Magneto, Magneto has only, as you guys have elegantly eloquently put, has only ever been a guy who wanted to protect and preserve his people, and he's. Not only has it seen the rest of humanity, let's, let's dig into that. Jews did not pose a threat to anybody. And they tried to exterminate his people. Mutants are, by the very nature of their being, a threat. So if they posed a threat to my people when we was just sitting in a house, chilling and eating, what you think they're going to do to me when I can lift a building with my mind? Of course I would strike first. No, dip, Almost similar to Killmonger. Right? So in that regards, he is not a villain in my mind. And he can't be number one on a villain's list when he's not a villain. The reason I still have him on the list is his importance in the story, his importance to, to Marvel, and the fact that because Xavier, who quite often is the wrong one in the two if you think about it, if you really go deep into it, because Xavier is not the 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 wonderful being of peace we think he really is right but Xavier oftentimes is attacking Magneto or trying to stop Magneto right and again I think the point is no death but more death has come because Xavier won't stay out of his fucking business <laughs> keep
3: it
1: real that's that's one way to look at it yeah for sure
2: keep it real um so Magneto has has my respect because the the frame is has always pointed him in the idea and the ideology of a villain, but he's not. He is as sympathetic character as can be created. I don't think you can create a better sympathetic figure, especially given the time he was created. So my love to your family, Dave. I didn't know that backstory with you, man. So yeah, it's it's all good, man. So on that note, Ray. Well, we all got the same number one. Um, yeah. Pat, it's Pat, you need to Mando. talk Wait. your number two. Though, I,
1: need, I need to talk about my number two. So he can tell oh, us just, why um, we had uh, Norman Osborne well, ranked too low.
2: Oh, okay. And I need to drink because I got to, I got the listen wrong. So I didn't drink.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, Norman Osborne.
0: So first of all, y- yes, I'm a Spider-Man mark. And so part of this, you can chalk up to a Spider-Man b- bias. Norman Osborn is the Spider-Man villain, in my opinion, much like the Kingpin, who has transcended the Spider-Man comic book universe and has bled into other, into the rest of the Marvel universe. He is the Lex Luthor of Marvel comics. And the things that he has done, not just in his attempt to take vengeance on Spider-Man, but in controlling the Marvel universe, ha- has been nothing short of just ridiculous. Um, you know he inadvertently ends the secret invasion war sort of accidentally killing the queen of the scrolls which then thrusts him into a position of power where he creates the dark avengers for the sole purpose of bringing down the good structures within the marvel cinematic universe he was so vindictive toward peter parker that he nailed his girlfriend got her pregnant and raised his children raised her children to hate Peter Parker, it's <laughs> fucked up. Bad. It's so petty. But he's and that's why I mean he's terrible. And his obsession with Peter Parker is is a big part, is a big problem with him and his flaws as a villain. But he's a megalomaniac. He's an egomaniac. He wants to control every bit of everything. One of the, I mean, he killed. Gwen, he killed Peter Parker's first girlfriend. You know, everybody knows him. he killed Gwen Stacy. Uh, though, depending on who you believe in, Peter Parker's web catching her probably killed her just as much as her dropping from the fall killed her. Physics just points he, out that that was what he, was going to
2: happen. He dropped it on a clock tower, bro. Right, no, yeah, yeah. No, no, no.
0: I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not disagreeing at all. Uh, but there are those that cling to if he, if, if Peter Parker had shot the web, then she would have died. Like, what the fuck ever. Like, and the reveal, like I remember when the reveal, like reading the reveal, even in the '60s, which you know, well written, well before, is is very well done. His obsession with building a criminal empire and gaining power, much like Wilson Fisk, like, and he and Wilson Fisk have been at odds at different times because as they try to take over the the crime structure of New York, the crime. The underworld of New York has come to play, but Norman Osborn has always had this extra step, and he's a genius. He's a scientist. He's much like Tony Stark in that he's an inventor. He created the Goblin serum so that he could be someone who could battle, uh, battle Spider-Man. He was manipulative. He drove his son crazy. He drove he was he to, to the again in, in his singular obsession against Spider-Man. I love Norman Osborn. I really hope that he makes an appearance someday in the MCU. I understand why he hasn't yet, because he's so connected with the Raimi films, and, and there's so much more to the rogues gallery of Spider-Man.
2: Well, that, they don't like, own this character, but that's a big part of it, for sure. What's that? They, Marvel doesn't own the Osborn character. They, they, they
0: don't own the Osborn character, but much like they have Spider-Man on loan, like it's something that, that you could bring into play. So yeah, he's—I mean—he's my number two. I think that he's—he's—he's to me—he's the ultimate street level villain of 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 Marvel. So that's my that's my Norman Osborn pitch. Yeah, you—that's what I got.
1: You draw the comparison of Norman Osborn to Lex Luthor. There's a little bit of Joker in there as well. A little bit. He's—he's got a good touch of insanity. He does. And and so I've—I've always looked. It's almost like the Green Goblin and Norman Osborn are almost kind of like two separate entities at times you know mm-hmm. and because and, norman gets kind of cured of the of the goblin insanity for a while and then he slips back into a different sort of insanity but yeah he's um as far as spider-man goes that is the spider-man villain i mean the uh yeah what can you say everything that he's done to spider-man the and and it and it's and it has an added level of personality to it because you know harry osborne is one of peter parker's best friends and, yep. and so you've kind of got that whole dynamic going on and, and it's, it's, you know, in I think like Norman finds out who Spider-Man is. And from that yep. point, it's really he's the first one to know he's, it's really on like Donkey Kong as the saying would go and, and, and everything he does from there, the whole Gwen Stacy thing, which was the one thing that the amazing Spider-Man to the Andrew Garfield thing got right was how she died. That was like the right. one, I mean, that was as well depicted as you can get. It's like, that's how it happened. Um you know I don't understand why they did the story at that point but that's another issue entirely. Um yeah I, I don't I I mean he was one I struggled with as far as like where he was on my list cuz I knew he was on the list I just wasn't sure where but he's a tremendous like the dark rain that whole storyline right after secret invasion is fantastic stuff. And yep. uh, that Norman becomes doesn't he become president like Lex Luthor? Yeah yep. he, so there, he's um yeah he's running the show. Yeah so uh he's a tremendous villain. I, I love the pick. I just yeah, I had him a little bit lower. Sorry. At least I had him on my list, unlike somebody excluding Thanos. But anyway, go ahead, Ray. Norman Osborne never had a stupid helicopter with his name on it. Anyway. I'm sure he had a helicopter with his name on it. It might not have been stupid though.
0: Yeah, he always got around on that glider. That was dope. With the rockets and the fucking the pumpkin bombs, man. Like you can't you can't stop Osborn. Let's talk about Victor Von Doom. Sure. Let's, let's, let's move on to Victor vondu. Sure. Did you
1: want to oh, I'm, oh, I'm wants to talk about like, Norman? Normie. I
2: thought he was going to talk about Thanos again, so I just cut him off. My <laughs> bad. Just because you said that, I'm about to, I'm about to trash. Don't, don't, don't do don't it. Don't, tra- don't
0: trash
2: Osborn. But, Osborne. but le- legitimately, and this is going to piss you off. I know it is. I'm not trying to be funny. Legitimately, <laughs> what, hurts Norman, what hurts Norman Osborn to me is the Green Goblin is the dumbest fucking thing in the world to me. It is so stupid. How uh, the it costume, so the costume, the idea behind it, what it, it is just the dumbest
0: shit. Sure. Thing. Almost and as dumb as an intergalactic villain flying a helicopter
2: that that that, that killed the whole world Sure. Yeah, but you over here throwing pumpkin bombs and stuff. He- he- he's over here you go. But the Joker's okay. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Go uh, ahead, go ahead, go. Different, ahead. World. Go ahead. different world. Different world. Oh. Um no but that hurts that hurts uh yeah, go ahead Tony you no, 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 oh okay, um no, but that that uh that hurts him to me, everything you said is right, I think he's fantastic I because maybe I'm a younger spider man fan, equate venom more so, but I, I i and and maybe it's because of my disdain for the green goblin, I just think the green goblin is dumb as hell and Often because of what I've been raised around, um, raised around the the, the the TV show, some of the later comics, and of course all the movies, I associate the actual goblin more with Harry than with Norman. And Which Norman
0: is a real disservice by the
2: movies, by the way. I completely agree. Completely agree. Right. Completely agree. Because the goblin is Norman. Um, but uh, I, I think Norman Osborn is fantastic and one of the best characters Marvel's ever created. It's just that goblin I just can't get out of my head. And we all have the thing, we're joking about this, but if you like Thanos, you don't like Thanos, that's your your prerogative. And whatever it is about him you don't like, it's similarly the same thing about the goblin that hurts Osborn for me. Uh, But I do hope that Norman... Is officially in the MCU. In fact, my my hope was that the guy that Stark sold Avengers Tower to was was Norman Osborn.
1: That's something a lot of people have talked about as as a hope. We'll find out yeah. in seven years. So you
2: know, well, clearly, right? And you know, I thought it may be the Baxter Building, but you guys shot that down for me. So it's got to be Osborn. What's going to be? Uh, or unless it's AIM.
1: Yeah. God, I hope I don't, not. I don't think so, but. Osborne wow. Osborne's a good choice, or the Baxter Building. Yeah, those are the likely suspects. So now, now can we talk about Victor Doom? Please, let's go. Unanimous number one for all of us. Yep, you know, I'm not going first. It's Ray Ray gets to
0: go first because it's okay. it would actually be okay. his turn in the in the order. So Ray,
2: and it'd probably be better for me to go first because I know you guys can speak to Doom a lot better than I can. Um, I think Doom is. Again, I, I am drawn to beautifully written characters. When I say beautifully written, I, I, I don't mean positive or negative. I mean the, the arcs of their stories, the motivations of their characters, why they are the way they are, um, how many things you can point to to say, well, this decision was made because of that. You have a man who not only is the head of a state – and I don't mean state, you know what I mean. I mean
1: <laughs> a country, country a country,
2: right? But they call him head of states, but you know what I'm trying to say. The leader of a country, maybe for those listening who don't know much about doom, um who is a a, 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 a who is one of the leading minds in his field, who is a business powerhouse and is consistently behind the a ball with just one fucking guy. One. And the guy that he's behind is the most aloof human being in the history of human beings who's also married and in love with the guy that he's in love with. And it's, it's just a beautifully written story of why Doom is the way he is and his megalomania that grows and him becoming... Gaining his powers, and then depending on which comic you're reading, his powers are magic, and and it have mag- come from magic. His powers are this or that. It's like I don't even think Stan Lee, God rest his soul, could tell you what Doctor Doom's actual powers are, because they change well, so much.
0: I, I mean, when when Lee conceived of Doctor Doom, he was a rival scientist too. Reed Richards. They went to school together. The depths of the depths of Doom's vanity are, are, is one of my favorite things because he literally donned a mask thinking he was too hideous because of a cut on his chin, mm-hmm. and that's like that's it, like a little cut on his chin that left him scarred due to an experiment that Reed told him not to follow through with, and so he blames Reed for his deformity. The The kind of the growth of Victor Von Doom throughout the Marvel Universe is the stuff of legend. And you talked about it like he is the leader of a country. He is a genius level scientist. He is a magician. He has claimed the Infinity Stones at at a point in history and been able to hold them. He defeated one of the, the characters on my list, the Beyonder. He actually beats the Beyonder in in one of the Secret Wars things and takes over for him
2: Brief, the albeit Briefly, man. with the help of Molecule Man. With
0: the help of Molecule Man, but he still wins. Um, the 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 level of power and terror. One of my I talked about one of my favorite comics, um, X Men comics. It's called Exiles, and all it does is look at alternative, alternative universes. One of my favorite alternative universes that they look at is a, is a world where Doom wins. And the cover is one of my favorite covers, because it's Doom in the Iron Man armor with the hood and the cape of Dr. Doom behind it. It's such a well done... It It was the issue. Like, that cover hooked me into the comic that I went back and bought it. So he's just he is he is the quintessential villain for the marvel cinematic universe he goes toe-to-toe with gods he goes toe-to-toe with eternals and yeah he doesn't always win um in fact he always he he loses but he's always back um and he's never gone forever much like apocalypse much like magneto much like norman norman osborne and everybody else on all of our lists like you can't keep a good villain down And, and victor von doom is the top of that heap in the marvel world
2: one more thing I want to add. One more thing I want to add. A lot of these people we've mentioned, there's something redeeming about them. Galactus doesn't want to kill, but he has to eat, right? Um, Thanos was just, never mind. Yeah, he's a piece he's of shit. He's trying to impress um, death. Yeah, he he, 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 he he trying to get some, ha Trying to get some. Um, yeah. Got to <laughs> wonder what that's like. Ooh, that's, that. yeah, right?
1: Cosmic necrophilia. Go ahead,
2: Ray. Beautifully said, sir. Well done. Um, Magneto is trying to protect his race Apocalypse is trying to Survival of the fittest The best will survive right There is not a damn thing Redeemable about Victor Von Doom Tell me please if I've missed it No
1: There's I mean, not To a very minor extent The protection of Latveria I mean maybe you could find some Little bit of shred of redemption there But not much let, And his let, people, let his me. people love him
2: Let me counter that. And then it's the floor is all yours. I believe the only reason he is so staunchly behind his country is because that's the one thing that saves him from being attacked by the rest of the Avengers and the rest of the world, because he is given immunity as the head of a state. Right. Right.
1: I mean, like we were saying a little while ago, there's a handful of villains on this list that have taken on the entirety of the Marvel universe and beat their ass. And Dr. Doom is another one of those. Um, the stuff of the Fantastic Four. I mean, yeah, early days, he was the main antagonist for Reed Richards. Um, the original Secret War story, where Doom basically wipes out the Beyonder and takes over Battle World and all that stuff, fantastic. The second Secret Wars, not Secret Wars two, but when they redid this later on, that story is the one coming off the on the heels of Infinity, where Doom learns about all these multiple incursions and the creation of the Black Swans. And, and their worship of him. And Doom has as big a God complex as anybody. And that whole second or that new Secret Wars, that was all about his God complex to the point that he defeats not just one Beyonder, but we learned that there's more than one. He beats their mm-hmm. ball and creates this reality where nobody remembers anything. And he's married to Sue Richards. And and he's got
2: Franklin and Larry or his kids.
3: Right.
1: Exactly. And and everybody is brainwashed. And, 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 but, but there's a couple of them. Like he's got molecule man (laughs) doing all this stuff with the incursions. And then the characters slowly start realizing something's wrong. And this always happens. And and something's a little bit off and they come to the realization that what's gone on. And, and I think like, doesn't read defeat doom by healing his face, which by this point in time has gotten far worse than just a scar on your chin. It's all messed up
2: there's two reads cuz there is the maker right. and then there's
3: reed
1: right exactly i mean that that story is is to me that sums up doctor doom god complex to the extreme it, 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 and you see it all right there where he is literally i mean the black swans worship him as what is he rubum alal or something like that is his name i something like that uh the black swans are as badass as they get and and, and just i i loved i mean I love both of those Secret Wars. All the all three of the Secret War stories have been excellent, um, yeah. but the one with Doctor Doom, where got a Doom World and God God Doom, and oh jeez, that thing and the, was just and the, fantastic. The
2: Thor's and all that, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. yeah right. And the Thors and you know, are
1: all on his side for a while, and then and they right. What, you
2: know, what I what I love about it is one thing I don't think either of uh, any, any of us mentioned is we've all talked about how he's he beats the Beyonders in almost all of these stories, right? We haven't talked about why. You know why he needs to be under? Because he doesn't want to serve. He's like, I'm too good for this. I'm too good to be sitting here in your world serving. I'm going to control this.
0: He, he, He speaks of himself in the third person. All hail Doom. Like, that is what he says. He is it. And is what I believe to be a fitting number one to the villain project. Well done, everybody. Thanos notwithstanding well done guys lots of fun on this week's show (laughs) ray's taking the headset off but before we go we we're 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 at our one year anniversary show and i just rather than doing a pod as a question i just wanted to take a moment with you know the guys you know dave you you in particular because you've been here since the the start of the inception but uh, I usually, you know, started doing this asking a question thing to to kind of wrap up the show as sort of a fun what's around to kind of bring a wrap to things. And this week I'd just like to with the four of you here, whether you've been here for five episodes or fifty two or somewhere in the middle, just some even you Tony. You're somewhere in the middle. Yes, sir. Um just a couple of comments about this first year of just how, how you've what you've liked out of this show and what you what you hope to see for a year or two. So I'll let Ray, you've been you've been here five episodes, so I'm gonna have you go first. We'll go how about we go in order of appearances. So it'll be Ray, then Tony, and technically me. Uh and then Dave, because Dave is Dave has been to more shows than I have.
2: I, I think it's been seven by the way, but uh Seven?
3: Hasn't been seven? Who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> uh
2: <laughs> apparently well, you well, are first, Clearly yeah, right? clearly, way, clearly Way Cash is kept trapped. I may be the only sober one on this call, so yeah <laughs> I think I'm counting. I'm totally um, sober. <laughs> um uh I think the show needs more Thanos first and foremost, but Thanos, like, that's that's another <laughs> conversation. Um all jokes aside. Um I don't I, I I'm not saying this because you guys are my friends, you guys are my colleagues. I mean this from the from the bottom of my heart. It has been a true honor to be asked to be on the show um it's been It's been a true honor to be in your presence and learn from you guys, let alone to talk and and discuss things with you guys. but what I love about the show and it's my fault because I didn't know about it until like maybe halfway as the show was going on because as <laughs> it's funny cause I'm on a million podcasts, and I don't really listen to any uh that's my <laughs> fault um but What I appreciate about it is there is a whole contingency of people who care about the shit we care about, who are into the things we're into, who like and who subscribe to and who purchase the things that we care about. And there is not very many places for that to be appreciated or talked about or treated with the reverence and the respect that it deserves. And this is one of those places. Um, I've talked to you over, off and on over the few episodes I've been on about my uncomfort with being open about some of the nerddoms I have, about my comic fascination, about my wrestling obsession, and even not even being into D&D because I thought it was whack because there was nothing about it that brought me into it. And now, 32, seeing it looks cool and being feeling stupid, I didn't get into it when I was younger. If I would have had a bandwagon nerds, I would have felt empowered to do that, to be more into this, to feel like I don't have to just talk about this in in my room or only with a few friends and whisper about it. I'd be proud as hell to talk about this stuff. I wouldn't have needed MCU to feel empowered to wear this shirt in public and be ready to talk about it with somebody if there would have been a bandwagon nerds for me. So this show, for me, it, it makes young Ray feel proud. It gives young Ray... Again, to put a circle on the whole show like we spoke at the beginning, hope. You guys have created not only a platform but a home for people like us who want to talk about things and care about things like we care about them and, 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 and want to hear from people like ourselves who want to be challenged to think about things in a way they never thought about them from somebody they know really gives a damn about what they're challenging them to think about. So I want to thank you guys for, for, for building this platform for people like me. Building this platform for people like yourselves. Building this platform for people who are at home who never had a chance to thank you themselves. So mic drop.
1: Well well, thank you, man. Yeah, that oh, was that was geez, some powerful like, shit. I'm I'm so excited we get to make Tony
2: follow that. That's that's yeah. Good thing. luck, PC. Good luck. <laughs> that was the whole goal. I went Obama on his nah. ass. He had to follow. <laughs>
1: PC's got something.
4: Um, it, I, I start along the same lines as Ray. Having listened to and communicated with the evolution of this show and to be one of, one of, if not the highest rated shows on the chair shot, has been excellent. Dave and Patrick, you guys are the backbone of the show, and it's excellent what you've done and incorporated into everything and then the movie reviews and everything else. Um, and I, and I think this show is only going to get better. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have been on it. I'm proud to have it on the chair shot with everything else that is on there. And um, yeah, man, uh, congratulations you guys. I, I, I like this show so much. I stick around just to listen to you guys live afterwards. Like I, I don't, I can't tell you anything else to compliment you more. So congratulations. And um, you can't get rid of me, so
2: fuck you. <laughs> well, well, thank you. We, we love having you both, by the way, Ray. We we will keep you on the show, I suppose. Thank you. I'm glad you said that Can because I, I, I consider myself squatting in this house. Can I just can – can, can I have a room? Can I have a room, please? I think there's, I think there's, I think
0: there's room for you, Ray. You're, I, I think I heard you describe it. I can't remember which podcast it was, but your, quote, keeping your seat warm –
2: well, I feel I feel like I'm keeping the seat warm because I look. I know what it is. I was brought in because there was an issue with DPP. He had to step away for a minute, and I I I was available. I had the knowledge, and I'd be am well, Right, right? Honest
0: to God, I never knew you had the knowledge, or I would have invited you sooner. Like you, you um, I can't remember how it came that you spoke up, and finally, like, oh. oh, yo, I know this stuff. I think was, so yeah, it was Tony. I saw
2: Tony because you were on the show with us on Thursday right. week. And Tony was like, you know, Rand should probably be on y'all's show because he's a nerd too. Right. And so
0: that that and I'll just go into kind of for me, this this year, if you had told me this would have lasted fifty two episodes and, and that we would be looking at year two, you know, you're never sure how something's gonna go and how and and where it's gonna go next and i appreciate so many people that have let us have this platform whether it's craig demarco who yes is my best friend so i i have an in like let's call what it is i got an in with with the guy who runs the website and he you know he gives me a hard time about how long the show and this show today is is pushing three hours and and i'm going to be okay with it uh but for me this this all came about, it wasn't even my idea of a show, like Dave, uh, Dave was really instrumental in kind of putting together the idea of the show. We did, a, I did a one-off on a podcast with him and uh, when, when we really started moving this, what the show started as and what it became really morphed a little bit over time and we've, even in this first year, like we felt our own growing pains, we, we've grown and we've developed, we, I think we have a pretty good format now of what we like to do and what we want to do. And it's just been great to have an opportunity to share something that I just am very passionate about and that I love. And like and if I could have made a career out of anything in my life, it, it would be doing stuff about this, like talking about this. Like I, I don't fancy myself a great writer, but I I love studying what I argue is our American mythology. Like when we talk about comic books, it's part of our American mythology. And I have like from childhood have always treasured this stuff. And so to be able to have an opportunity to talk about that and to talk about popular culture and to review television shows, to have guests on and interview them, whether it's folks from Sony. To music reviewers for big time magazines, to a guy who runs a mom and pop D and D dice store, like all of that stuff
2: Josh has Brogan. just been,
0: yeah has just been so meaningful. And you know, Greg letting us have the platform, Tony for coming on the show and giving us feedback, DP. Uh, you know, I, I know that he had to step away, but he was such a great part of the show for for quite a few episodes. You know, and I know he'll be back someday, even if it's just in, in a guest stint or some sort of one off capacity. Ray jumping in, Christopher Platt, uh, everybody that's been involved with kind of making the show and helping it develop and turn into what it is now, and, and I know that it's still got work to do. Uh, we're only a, a, a year in. There's going to be more and I'm just excited that we get to keep doing it. So thank you for the three of you that are here today, Uh, and I look forward to the next year and hopefully two, three, four years for however long we can keep this thing going.
1: Yeah, I mean, I want to give a shout-out to DP, give a shout-out to Chris Platt, Uh, give give a shout-out to my wife and my niece who filled in on a couple of episodes as well and did very well uh, talking about this. This show, I think, Patrick would be the first to agree that where we are now 1 year later after where we started is nothing like what we envisioned this show to be and 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 I think the other thing that I'm going to you know give us some credit for nobody in their right mind would have anticipated that in the middle of trying to do a show like this we would have got hit with a global pandemic that shut down the entire entertainment industry and really altered the trajectory of where we wanted to go it because we were thinking we'd be you know reviewing movies and and really the only movie we got to review on the entire history of the show in any sort of substance was rise of skywalker and then everything shut down but you know that was but but that was that was where we kind of started and then and then coronavirus hit and everything changed the fact that we have kept this show going and made it entertaining and interesting during the middle of this massive shutdown to the point that I'm not saying we're the sole reason for it, but I'd say bandwagon nerds had a big hand in the creation of an entertainment section on the chairshot.com.
4: I'm, I'm here to not be the person that is actually involved like 100% with the show to tell you that, yes, you're absolutely right, Dave. What you and Patrick have done has been excellent. Like the branch that you have created and and manipulated in prosperity has been excellent. And the way you guys have done it, I respect the utmost. Like as far as a radio network goes and ChairShot being a media, if we're trying to be sports, entertainment, and sports and entertainment, you guys are bearing a third of the load and you're doing it at an A-plus pace.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I appreciate that, Tony. I mean, I, the fact that we've pulled that off during the most unforeseeable circumstances of all time is, uh, it, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that we're great, but yeah, we're great, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, I already said A+. I think I've learned a, I've learned a lot from the show. Um, and, and, and I mean, I, I got to thank you guys, all of you, because because of the show, I got back into watching some stuff on TV. I mean, I never would have known about The Witcher or Lock and Key or The Boys, or Umbrella Academy, or Mandalorian, probably. That would have happened regardless. But those shows reinvigorated my love of of TV, not TV in the traditional sense, but TV on streaming services. And those are some of the best shows that I've honestly ever watched. You got me to the point where I want to go back, I want to finish watching Game of Thrones, and I want to finish getting Walking Dead and Stranger Things and that sort of thing. Also, like the video game project that we did, which was phenomenal, got me back into video gaming. You know, and and maybe go back to start playing sports games more often, like I used to, and and playing some of the classics that I I wanted to go back through. Um, you know, we've talked about board games on the show. The show is is, is if one thing, it's eclectic. There's a lot of podcasts out there that will focus on comics, or will focus on board games, or focus on video games, and and we kind of do a little bit of all of that. And I don't know of any other podcasts out there that really tries to tackle so many things and does it as well as we do. It's a phenomenal show. It's been so much fun. So yeah, I mean, thank you Patrick for for putting together the rundowns and kind of organizing things and and you know, our 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 friendly little rivalry that we've had this year has been fun. <laughs> and uh, you know, Rise of Skywalker notwithstanding and and now Thanos. I mean, that's even worse than Rise of Skywalker, but you know. No, I feel like I
0: feel like I sent twitches through the nervous on that <laughs> one.
1: <laughs> but uh, it's been it's been a great year and uh yeah, I mean, let's hope Let's hope that twenty twenty one brings something back to normal. I mean, you know, I'm tempted to go to the movies and watch Tenant, that sort of thing, but not there yet. But uh, it's been a, it's, it's, it's been a fun year.
2: Tenant is coming out on, on on DVD in like a couple of weeks. So oh, is it? Right.
1: Yeah, you, you don't have too much longer to wait until you can buy it and add it to your hoarding
0: uh, collection, sir.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Speaking of nerd reviews, this past week we reviewed uh, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, check that out on the thechairshot.com in the entertainment section. This week we are going to finally review A Quiet Place and uh, I'm looking forward to that because I've never seen it. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, so getting the disc and, and being able to sit down and, and watch what I've heard is a great fun tension-building horror, which is my kind of horror movie, is is awesome. Uh, last little go-around, Dave, You know, thank you for being really a stalwart on the show and really, you know, I I heard Tony say this, I think on three man weave on an episode that I wasn't there where he was like, everybody knows Patrick, you know, like this is Patrick's world. Well, you know, he kind of talking about like hosting the show and running that, but really, um, you know, you've been the one that has been a constant, has been taking care of the files for us, has been making sure that this gets to where it needs to get to. Um, you've been there when I couldn't be and have made sure that, you know, that we've had a show for 52 weeks. Like, I don't think we've missed a week. I don't know that we've oh. called off a week of Bandwagon Nerds. And I'm really proud of what we've been able to do that as a show. And so a lot of that has to do with with you, with your family, uh, and everybody who's stepped in. And, you know, whether it's somebody I've named or not named, Uh, You've all had a a big role in making this go for a year, and and thank you, and and we'll have you all back again for more years. I teased it at the beginning of the show about how we're going to kick off year two. I think it's time, Dave. Next week, and if Ray, at the very least, agrees to moderate, it's time for the Star Wars episode. It's time to have it out. You the... see, Tony, you're gonna be Tony. You're gonna be there because we're gonna talk about the next episode of *The Mandalorian* anyway. Don't act all hurt. You're, you're welcome as well.
1: What are the parameters uh, of this? What are we doing exactly?
0: I haven't thought it out yet, <laughs> but we are going to do a deep dive into the Star Wars universe. And I think there's gonna be some Rise of Skywalker fight. I think there's gonna be some nine movie discussion, some of which we know we're in agreement of, uh, and Ray. Uh, if you're willing to be the neutral party in Tony, if you're willing to make sure that Ray remains the neutral party.
1: <laughs> I don't know how neutral yeah. Ray's gonna be. Yeah, neutral <laughs> Both of you
2: are like, I don't think that's a promise I can make. <laughs> maybe totally. if, Maybe if I had the, the Soul Stone that Thanos oh, had to right. neutralize my soul. <laughs> don't you that's okay. Thanos into Star Wars.
0: When when you two, um, when you're all wrong, I'm just going to mute you on the call anyway. So anyway, I think that's a great way to kick off next week, kick off our second year is to do a deep dive into Star Wars because we've talked about Star Wars stuff, but we've never like dissected Star Wars. And I think that that is, I think that's fun. I think that's going to be something that could be fun for all of us.
1: Goddamn, you're going to make me watch Rise of Skywalker again, aren't you? Uh, that's Unfortunately, necessarily... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you through right, that. I'll but you that. Already, you've already watched a movie for the Nerd Review, so that's I think right. you're good to go. Uh, I really thought you were going to drop the 90s project on us, but No, it's not later time on. for
0: the 90s. It's on its way. All right. And we're going to get there. So with that said, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. I want to first apologize for all the creakings of the chairs that I'm sure my computer and microphone picked up. Uh, all the sound issues. Next week the mic will be back and I'll sound back to, you know I'll sound normal. I'll be my annoying self again. Uh, not that I was any less annoying this week. Big thanks to PC Tony, Ray Cash, David Ungar. Real quickly, gentlemen, we'll start with Tony. Tell people how they can find you and where they can listen to you on the ChairShot Network.
4: I mean, just put in the chairshot.com. Also go to prowrestlingtees.com com forward slash the ChairShot. Follow me at PC Tunny. Thank you, guys. I love this show; um, it, it, it's excellent, and uh, I, I drink to its success in the future.
1: You drink to anything? Yeah. You drink to anything, Tony, But that's cool.
2: The best friend, <laughs> my best buddy. You can uh, find me at Josh Brolin, and uh, <laughs> when you can't find me there, you can find me. <laughs> the title. You can find me at Josh Brolin. I
1: just got a text from Josh. <laughs> He uh, told me to tell Patrick to fuck off. But go ahead, Ray.
2: He told me the same thing, but mine was in a DM.
1: Okay, he so DM'd hey, you, you yeah, even better, man. He slid into your DMs. That's awesome. <laughs> um, We're talking about the comics, not the movies,
2: gentlemen. <laughs> well, I can't say Stan Lee. Hell, he's, you know, I can't do that. Um, That'd be neat. That would be scary. Um, it's uh, I'm at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in Dollars. I am the host of the Outsider's Edge podcast. I am also one-third of the triumvirate we call the three-man weave. And apparently I am a very proud member, contributor, current squatter of the wonderful Ben, uh, Ben Wagon Nerds podcast. So, yeah, look us up.
1: It's like the hair club. Not only are you a customer, you're a member. So there you go. Perfect.
2: Works for me. Works
1: for me. I need some of Why, that. Shit. Okay, of, of that. all the
0: all the people that talk hair club for men, I David Ungar, his shiny ass hair head. Look at that
2: dome. I hey, got Dave, enough to send you, big dog. I got more than enough. I need it.
1: Dave, where where can they find you, my friend? Oh, uh, you could find me at uh, Josh Brolin's house, conspiring as to how we're going to solve some of this shit. But uh, no, Jesus you, can, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at. at <laughs> At Attitude AGG. Joe AG. and Anthony Russo. Yeah. Mr. Feige, I have somebody that uh, you need to speak with. I'm just going to keep drinking. You do, you can find me at, yeah, you're, is that the same shot from earlier, the same drink? You're, it wasn't a shot. That was like a gallon. Four shots. Yeah. How's, how's that gallon of scotch you drink? Anyway, you it's can find delicious. me Thank you. on Twitter at Attitude AGG and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression.
0: All right, you can find me at Thanosucks.com. No, just kidding. You can find me at Wrestling Realist on the Twitter. That's at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can hear me every Monday here on Bandwagon Nerds. And then again on Wednesdays with Craig DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Greg DeMarco show. Give me a follow, give Dave a follow, give Ray and Tony a follow. Also, give the Bandwagon Nerds podcast a follow. We have a Twitter account as well, at Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you again, everybody who's listened to us. You know, I didn't do that. Thank you, listener, for taking the time and giving us uh, our platform. Because without you all, we don't have a platform, and every listen... It is valuable to me and i appreciate each and every one of you and i
1: know dave does as well all ray and tony all 22 of you we appreciate all everything 22 you guys are you. doing
0: but thank all you very much for for giving us your time letting us into your podcast and listening to some some nerdy opinions for 2 to 3 hours a week uh that's going to do it for the 1 year anniversary of bandwagon nerds get yourself out of the basement It's dark again, because the East Coast sucks out here in Massachusetts, and it's 5 p.m., so the darkness has rained, so get out of the basement and check out some some Marvel villains. Read Secret Wars. That's what I'm going to tell you to do. Read Secret Wars 1, 2, and 3. That's the highlight. Thanos sucks. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds.
3: I know what it is. If this thing is contagious, we may have a big problem on our hands. Talking about an epidemic here. Look at me.
0: I have a lie from the face of a billion dollar
4: company. We need to
0: keep this confidential.
3: Victor, this disease is progressive, degenerative. I have to notify someone. That's terrible. You... Get a second opinion. You built these weapons to destroy us. Why? Because you are afraid of our gifts. Because we are different. Humanity has always feared that which is different. Well, I'm here to tell you, to tell the world. You're right to fear us. We are the future. We are the ones who will inherit this earth. And anyone who stands in our way will suffer the same fate as these men you see before you. Today was meant to be a display of your power. Instead, I give you a glimpse of the devastation my race can unleash upon yours. this be a warning to the world and to my mutant brothers and sisters out there I say this no more hiding no more suffering you have lived in the shadows and shame and fear for too long come out join me fight together in a brotherhood of our kind a new tomorrow that starts today The universe required correction. After that, the stones served no purpose
2: beyond temptation. I used the stones to destroy the stones.
3: It nearly killed me. But the work is done. It always will be.
2: I am.